day of fun um with uh btc pretty much running up um it's got like a fib at like 50k which probably be coming next um i suspect it just kind of rips i have a pretty good feeling that bitcoin runs to all-time high soon i've been kind of thinking that this um this uh, sort of like season looks a bit more like 2016. Um, we've had years where, of course, like last season, Bitcoin dumped for COVID slash Chinese minor um, eviction. And um, you had the um, times before that where there'd be kind of like happening related dumps and whatnot. Um, either pre or post happening, kind of sell the news. Um, it looks to me like this time happening. Um, one is not a very strong meme, actually. I haven't seen a whole lot of anybody talking about happening this season. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, it's kind of lost a bit of its meme effect. Um, hasn't hasn't, however, lost its deterministic effect on. BTC supply and then subsequent um, impacts on how miners behave and prices and whatnot. So that's still there. But um, pretty much um, at this point, like, you know, you should have your whatever BTC bag you have. Um, the ROI on alts is going to be just like, you know, absolutely epic, of course, um, assuming that you picked up the bottoms. The key to altcoins is generally that you have to buy the bottom um if you don't you're kind of an imbecile so then how do you buy the bottom you buy it at the bottom by pretty much scaling in all the way to the bottom you can't know where it is exactly so um once you've sort of realized mathematically this is true then you realize well the roi off the bottoms for alts always outstrips everything else um, the smaller the market cap the higher the upside gain generally and it just goes all the way down the list. Now, alts, of course, have more sort of like volatility risk, you know, and you have to be willing to hold for who knows how long, maybe up to two years if you happen to be kind of bear market or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the thing um, that you have to be aware of. There's anytime you're talking about like highly speculative assets, stocks, crypto, whatever, there is a fairly high um, uh, time preference risk if your bag goes down because then you have to wait a long time um, for next cycle or whenever the next bullish market condition emerges. But um, I think we're at the sweet spot right now. Um, we have like a good BTC market. We have a pretty heavy, um, it's like pump stock market. Like I think the Japanese stock market today is hitting all-time highs as well. 
So you basically have a lot of people who um, have excess liquidity to play in crypto and things. Um, and that's a really, really good situation for alts, in my opinion. Um, so whether you're like just, you like to stack sats, you know, you like to sell your alts and buy BTC, whether you like to, um, you have your conviction plays and altcoins, which I do. Um, I think quite, you really keep it really simple. Um, various cryptocurrency is not about uh, simply just store value. Like many um, crypto services have very specific functions or have, um, you know, ultimately like a software as a service type of model about them where, you know, you might not have the, um, the same uh, growth metrics um, in BTC as BTC, but some things have different utility versus Bitcoin. Um, some of those utilities are vaporware, like they will never become like any, you know, they're just like hype, hype stuff. They won't necessarily be that big. Um, so it's purely like speculative uh, noise, but that doesn't mean they don't go up. And I think it's uh, important to sort of understand the difference, um, like <laughs> in terms of like whether you're going to be an investor or something or whether you just have like a horse in the race that you think is going to run for a bit, you can make some profit off it or whatever. Um, so, um, yep. Before you get like, I think right now is sort of the sweet spot though, in terms of valuations of things, there's plenty of stuff that hasn't run yet that represent a uh, relatively low risk, high upside going to bullish conditions. And, um, uh, Really, you can just take almost anything that hasn't run, you know, throw a dart at it and it's going to go up. You could take any narrative that you've seen that seems popular on Twitter, pretty much throw a dart at it. It's going to go up. Uh, in fact, they, that's exactly what's happened. Um, there are some things that have definitely sort of outperformed other things. Um, but that doesn't mean that um, the laggards won't pick up necessarily. Um, historically, in, like in crypto space, you'll have stuff that runs kind of early, but then doesn't impress nearly as much the latter half of the bull season. Um, perfect example of that last season was Chainlink, where it kind of topped out in around 2021 and then and then kind of, or, you know, the second BTC pump, it did not actually run for whatever reasons. Um, so if something has like really, really run big time, it's, you know, I think Chainlink last season went from like, you know, pennies in 2019 or something up to you know like 53 dollars um that's a pretty big run and there's no guarantee of it continuing just because um btc or something else is running so you need to kind of be watchful of that um all coins ultra speculative they will drop 90 percent uh in their first cycle if there are more legit altcoins, they'll drop maybe 80 percent the next cycle um but many of these things have very low liquidity, very low um, staying power as far as like price action, mainly because of you know, low liquidity depth. And you should expect to get wrecked um, if you hold on to almost anything. Um, so, you know, you have to decide what your, what your general strategy is. And, and generally in crypto, you're going to have to be comfortable with stuff going up after you sell it. Um, and uh, that's always the tricky thing. That's, that gets emotional because you... You'll have some conviction thing. You'll 5X or whatever. You'll sell it. It'll do another 2X or 3X or something. You're like, oh, shit. Like, I would have had life-changing wealth if I had held it. But the reality is, there's like, 
there's no guarantee you would have sold that top, nor is there a guarantee that you knew exactly when that next top was going to happen. And it's all just sort of like in your head for the most part. Um, a lot of the choices you make in terms of when you buy and sell will largely be luck. Luck in that you'll happen to see some tweet that just makes you think that you should do something. You'll wake up one day on the wrong side of the bed with a you know headache or something like, ooh, I'm, I'm upset, I'm going to sell something. You won't have any clue like why you sell when you do. Um, the will regarding these things is largely an illusion. And therefore, like, that's why it's most, so difficult to stick to one thesis or whatever. Um, but um, at this point, yeah, I think we're in the, like, the relative sweet spot for total three. Uh, total three is the, um, or the non-ETH, non-BTC um, altcoin space. And I think, like, you know, I, I separate, I've, you know, separated my, like, thesis into several categories. If you want some kind of store of value function, you know, you might go with Bitcoin. If you want something that pays you dividends for whatever reason, like as an income source, but you're not so interested in volatility risk, you might have like um, dividend earning stocks, for example. Um, in the stock market right now, like the Russell uh, type stocks, which are like the non-tech stocks are really undervalued. I've seen multiple posts about this. That's what I've been buying the last two years. And I'm pretty convinced most of that stuff is going to moon as soon as the stock, like, as soon as stock market starts to to chug upwards. Um, at some point, may not be now, it may not be next year, but I know for sure. Like, you know, all these like people are still going to eat, people are still want energy, people are still going to want um, um, a lot of things. And the bottom line is, you know, stock markets pump when liquidity arrives, and when liquidity taps are opened up, all of that stuff's going to moon. It doesn't make sense at this point to be at, in high risk, like buying NVIDIA today or something. It's just retarded. It'd be retarded. Um, not that you can do it. It's just like, it's just so much lesser risk ways to make a lot of money and get uh, relatively inexpensive dividend earning stocks. So that's like a different type of thesis. And then when it comes to altcoins, you can spread across a risk spectrum um, of things that are, you could just look at it from like, how many cycles has your alt actually gone through? and has it survived those cycles would be one like mark you know the second is or a bunch of new buyers showing up for some reason um is it maybe undervalued but low risk maybe it won't run maybe you have certain things that won't run up as much but they're much less risk so for example um take um litecoin today um it's proof of work uh it has a majority of its coins mined uh, like, you know, is it a reasonable um, risk at this moment? Yeah, sure. It's a very reasonable risk. Um, how do we know this? Because it's put in higher lows for basically um, going back to um, like, what was it, 20, like, I don't know, 2014 or something. So you, you pretty much are putting in higher lows every uh, season. This includes a low in um, December 2018, a low in 2020 higher low than that in 2022. And our most recent would be like um, the December, um, this most recent uh, January low of something like 60 bucks. Um, is it gonna pump like every other, every single altcoin? Like, is it gonna do 100X or something? Probably not. But is Litecoin something you can go in its size probably and be safe? Probably yes. Like, um, did I go buy Litecoin or BTC at this stage in the game? I bought Litecoin now. 
I bought BTC like, you know, sub 18K. That was my last time I was playing, buying it. So that's like, that would be, that would have been the correct time to pick that up. Now, I would say, relatively speaking, if you look at like just Rex charts, your risk is essentially much, much lower on LTC. It had its happening last year. And, um, you know, its hash rate is secure, very um, reasonable proof of work network. And um, I'm not suggesting buy it, I'm just saying like, if I were to put in an amount of money today, like, you know, my downside risk is really, really curtailed at probably that 20% drop from here. Um, it, it's going to be really hard to push Litecoin back to, you know, let's say 40 bucks again at this stage. It would be a pretty um, impressive thing to accomplish. So, and even if, it, if, even if it did, so what? Like, you know, if you're in at 70 bucks, and you see a $40 downside, um, that's just not that bad. Um, so risk-benefit ratio is clearly in favor of benefit on, say, LTC at this stage. Uh, it's network secure. It's not going to go to zero any more than BTC is going to go to zero at this point. Um, and therefore, um, like, you know, last season, Litecoin ran from $24 to $420. Um, during the bear market, it went from $40 to $115. I think I last bought it at like one time I bought it at like 55 bucks and sold it at like you know, 70 or something. So just like easy money essentially. Um, and I think like, it's a very tradable thing. Um, like where might LTC go this season? I think it probably breaks prior high. Um, you might not believe it, but like, the higher lows are parabolic over a one, two, three, four, five, six year time frame. Um, and people are going to notice that over time. They're like, huh, look, like it's just putting in higher lows, uh, dec you know, uh, year after year. So uh, it ought to do fine. Um, so I think downside risk is low. And I could even enter LTC at size. Like, like could I put my net worth in it? Yeah, probably. It's probably safe. <laughs> like, believe, like it is what it is. Um, I'm not, am I recommending that? No. But as far as the network security, it, I think it's safe. Um, this is not one of those things that's going to zero anytime soon. It has, it's had a decade to do so, and it has not done that. So another similar category would be the things that are like just dino coins generally. So you saw what happened to XMR with the Binance delisting. It dumps from like, Again, it was putting in higher lows over the course of um, actually Monero's um, uh, higher lows are even much better than LTC's. Um, and clearly, like Monero has found an audience and the Binance delisting was sort of like emboldened that audience in a sense. Um, the, th the thing dipped to about 100 bucks from 170 or so. And uh, took like a 36% dip right before a bull market. Pretty easy choice, in my opinion. Like, it'll run. These things, remember, don't need a lot of liquidity. Um, um, you don't need necessarily Binance listings. In fact, lower liquidity things pump more than higher liquidity things because they're just like, it's just basically numbers on a piece of paper kind of somewhere. Um, so I picked up um, XMR right at around this price. I think around 120 or so. And I'm just riding a little bit long term, see what happens with it. But definitely the privacy narrative um, is cool. And then basically all of XMR is basically mined. So um, it's uh, got very little um, inflation at this point to speak of. And there's a plan for XMR for tail emissions so that when the, uh, the, all the coins are mined, which I think we're almost there, or very close, I think like out of eight 
we're close to 18.1 million or something. I think 18 point, or we're, I think we're like 200,000 coins away or something for like mining them all. And then there's tail emissions, something like that. So pretty straightforward um, option. It's available still on, um, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, in the US, it's available on Kraken. Um, and Kraken has clearly like um, committed to privacy. The recent Elizabeth Warren, um, like, you know, recommendations were that uh, XMR be banned along with anything else with privacy. Um, Europe is thinking the same thing. So really like XMR is pretty much a utility coin in terms of like uh, true peer-to-peer -peer interactions, because if there aren't that many centralized exchanges that have it, well, then peer-to-peer -peer is kind of how you're going to be using it predominantly if you're going to use it at all. Um, anyway, but um, there's going to be plenty of exchanges that have it. Um, there's going to be DEXs that have it. Zephyr, for example, the Zephyr swap DEX is going to have it. Um, and there's going to be ways to sort of like get in and out of XMR. They're all, as long as there's a pretty sizable market cap, uh, innovations will come and people just create more DEXs if less centralized exchanges are available. So I think that's fine. Again, it's early in a bull market. So, you know, rent, you know various FUD and different things don't really matter too much. Remember, everything pumps in a bear market. And I mean everything. If you haven't been around for a decade doing this, you won't you won't notice this. You could be everything hmm? except from XLP. Why is it not is it is it not going to or? Oh, it, it just didn't last time on the last ball, and it went down because obviously the court case came in. So uh, yeah, that's the that's the only thing that hasn't had a decent run in the last ball run. So that's I think a lot of the speculation for it going up is well, it hasn't. It's been well, no, no, no. Last last bull run, um, XRP went from uh, ten cents to a dollar ninety six. Like we're, like from the bottom to the top, it did quite well. What do you mean? Like it dropped instantly. Though it it, it was an, almost an instant drop, considering the SEC saw it and went nah and fucked it off. Uh, and actually, wasn't that the no, well, no, the number one like price action for XRP was just the general market. Like if you look at its correlation to the market, it was quite high. So I don't, I'm not so worried about like, yeah, I mean, there might have been like some, you know, big drops, whatever with SEC, this and that. But the reality is a vast majority of people that buy these things are purely speculating. They don't, they don't like, then there's a few news related events. But in general, you'll see that XRP, things like that will typically trend pretty closely with the rest of the market. Um, meaning that like, even if I didn't like XRP, that doesn't mean it's not going up for the season. Like it's going up for sure. Like I think the odds of like, now it could underperform a lot of other things. That's a different question. Um, you know, so what is its performance going to be this time related to BTC? What is its performance related to total three or to ETH or whatever? You know, these, these concerns are always there, but no, all of these things are not going to perform identically. That's for sure. Some things will run more than others. But to say I'm worried that, like, you know, if BTC runs, everything runs. Speculators come out of the woodwork. Um, you know, retail comes out of the woodwork. Everyone starts bidding up everything, and everything just just goes sky high. So I'm not worried about any of the top. So all the Dino coins, like stuff that's been around for a number, you know, five plus years, um, all of those things, I think, will run. And um, I, I just have very little doubt about that happening. Like it, you know, it, these, th they might drag a little bit. And I think what it is, is right now, like crypto natives who have been paying attention to the market for the last two years, who have positioned themselves in various like micro caps are all pumping on crypto Twitter. You know, like everyone's talking about their micro cap. I have my Zephyr, 
you know, I have my Kajira, I have a few others, like everyone's talking about whatever they happen to be sort of into for whatever reason. And, um, but that's, but the people who are here right now, that's not like the general public, you know, mom and pop retail. They're not the ones going to Dex's and shit and buying like Pepe coins. They're not the ones, you know, so they're just going to open their Coinbase app and they're going to, huh you know, people like my dad or whatever last, last season, you're like, Oh, I'm just going to buy a bunch of stuff. And he just click starts clicking buttons and stuff. Like he doesn't know what's what, um, he doesn't even ask, like, he doesn't even ask me, Hey, what should I buy? He's just like, he just like apes into things. This is just how it is. So I think that is going to lead to a lot of things, um, particularly in the top, anything in the top 50 on these apps, um, is going to tend to go ahead and catch a bid because quite simply like, retail people that's what they see when they open up these apps they don't know what to research and they don't know whatever so they'll see bitcoin number one they'll be like all right i'm gonna buy some of that they're gonna see xrp number whatever they're gonna buy some of that um so the people definitely look at the top players as kind of what they consider the quote-unquote blue chips so the concept of blue chip is basically like a meme in and of itself and these things will get bid up no matter what you believe about the logic of your coin. And so for the bull market, I would urge everyone to just not give a flying fuck what the actual coin does. Like, this is not, this is not how this is done. And if, you, and if you go by like, oh, this is going to have so much utility, whatever, you know, the, the utility is great and everything. Whatever your coin does is, is fine. You know, but the real question is, does that result in attention? Bull markets are about attention, 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 attention. That's like 95% of it. Um, having pumped Bitcoin for over a decade, I can tell you that's why BTC is where it is now, attention. Just look at my Twitter page. I have like, like I think it's like 50,000 plus tweets over the course since January. So in other words, I'm just a beast when it comes to just pushing buttons on this thing. If you can imagine, I did that on other platforms, but way more aggressively for you know, well over 10 years. So you can imagine what other platforms were you sitting on doing that? What's that? What what other platforms were you sitting there uh, shilling BTC on? Oh, just like well, I don't want to like dox that because this becomes kind of obvious at some point. But the point is like, but like the point is uh, like I push a lot of buttons on computers. I've been playing with computers since the you know Apple's came out when and IBM eighty eighty six chips were on my desk. So meaning like the original Intel chips, okay? So like I have been pushing buttons, pushing crypto, pushing tech, pushing like you name it for like the history of this like entire like personal computing space. And, you know, so I was an early adopter in practically, you know, anything and everything. I've owned stocks and whatever and pretty early and lots of different things and whatever. So the point is like, I'm just saying that I remember when BTC was just nothing but an idea. There was nothing about it that would imply that it would be the size that it is now as an automatic thing. And um, I'm just saying that like attention is everything. And that attention came at a price. It came at a price of my life, like period, like entire periods of time like this, this moment where like I shilled the shit out of Bitcoin for like forever. So when people say now, oh, like, you know, it's like the, the, the blue chip or whatever, the fuck it was like it was basically scammer coin it was like what you got insulted for you got like literally like like why are you bringing investors into this thing you know it could basically go to zero blah 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 like the whole nine yards like so um it's easy to claim something's a blue chip now but that's my point is like there's a ton of stuff i'm into now that could be potentially 
useful or you know blue chip of the future or whatever and um some of those things could go to zero zero some of them don't welcome to tech man this is like darwinism it's uh survival of the fittest um if you learn nothing about biology learn that like good ideas win and bad ideas eventually lose but like you know it, you're, you're not going to predict all of them perfectly so you have to be willing to like concede death on some of them and that's fine but during a bull market i'm telling you like all that matters is attention like um you know it was very much possible to sort of like move markets like i could basically move like markets in some of these coins just by buying a bunch of them at any given moment and then like spinning up narratives out of whole cloth about what that means like why did price go up well one because i made it go up but then it's like hey why did it go up and then people come and like research the coin so like like the price going up is pretty much a advertisement um so and that's like autism in a nutshell right <laughs> what's that autism in a nutshell yeah it's like but, but that's pretty much what it is like it's the price meme effect like price goes up and then people wonder why did it go up this is the same in the stock market it's the same everywhere like go to um like cnbc or some shit and you'll notice that like more of the discussion on cnbc on a on a or you know one of these financial sites you know fox business or some shit like you'll notice that like the obvious conclusion you'll come to is most stocks and things are not covered when they're in the red. Most tickers are not covered when they're in the red. When people get excited and it's in the green, that's when they're like, they 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 have more news about that. Why is that? Um, it's like a twofold effect. One is what you'll notice is after price goes up, Google searches for a thing go up. After price goes up, uh, traffic towards certain sort of like um, brand names goes up. Uh, so, for example, when BTC goes up, you're going to find that the number of people talking about BTC in the media goes up, which is why people say you should sell the news, because like the news is generally late um, and people show up after the fact because like price is like price in finance is kind of like a, a flame for a moth. Human beings are basically just imbeciles. Like we tend to float towards a thing that is like the shiny thing. and like if it's going up, the price is going up, that's validation to people that other people like this thing. We're like a beehive, like, you know, like we're we're all going towards the honey or like to protect the queen or whatever. It's just a very funny um, thing. But like, clearly we're all um, like at some level, just core base level brainstem functioning idiots. And this is how we behave. So it's like, you have to basically break that cycle if you're gonna be a half decent investor. And you have to pretty much buy the bottom and you have to do it with conviction and you have to do it with like, you know, at size. Otherwise, what you are is a lemming ready to, ready to have all, you know, get dumped on essentially. And that's what happens. So like, you know, it's the same thing that happened last season. It'll, it'll be the same thing that happens this season. And you'll notice this um, big time because like I have a ton of tickers here that I was picking up all the way to the very bottom. I even post exactly when I buy shit too. I'm like, I'm buying this now. You can do whatever you want, but I do it as a personal diary. It's like, okay, did I pick the exact bottom of something? Maybe not, but I got it enough of it close enough to whatever bottom that the odds are that I'm doing pretty well um, when these things run. And um, there's a lot of stocks I have, for example, they're in the red. You have to be willing to be in the red if you're going to be 
if you're going to basically get most of the gains, because really, like mathematically, right, the percentage gains off the bottom are the highest, and altcoins in particular will test your patience because BTC will be running. You're like, oh, maybe I should go chase that. It's it's gone up more. Like, no, this is not what you do unless you're an imbecile. Like, this is not how this is done. You you have to sort of look at yourself and say, wait a minute, hold on. Like, if I can get a 2x over here, I can get twice as much BTC. Why in the fuck would you go and, like, buy it at, you know, when you don't have as much ROI available? So, yeah, use it as a store of value. But it should not be the thing that you um, try to pick up spot to sort of ride. That's where people play on leverage. They're like, well, I don't really trust anything but Bitcoin. So then they'll say, okay, well, now they're going to play on leverage. And they'll buy, like, you know, they'll take a 10% move, but they'll do a 10x um, leverage on it or something. But now the problem is you're gambling. And when you start gambling, um, the the at least if you you know if you're not careful, you're gambling. And basically, the problem is you got to like you might get your stops hit, you might lose money. Like, there's not really a great reason to lose your coins in crypto. Like, you know, it makes more sense to scale into the bottoms, in my opinion, have the patience through bear markets than it is to sort of mess with too much leverage and whatnot and get wrecked. So I think um, yeah, I don't really advise um, people to play on leverage. Um, like most people just don't know what they're doing with it, nor are most people actually making money doing it. Um, you'll, you'll see a few PL state, you know, where someone said, Oh, I bought something and it's up, you know, X amount of money. And you're like, Ooh, I wish I did that. Like, that's a lot of money. But the reality is that they're not showing their losses. So you're, you're only getting a small snapshot of like, you know, people's outcomes. But anyway, like in the altcoin space right now, like things have had a nice pullback. Um, and what you want to look for is the things that in particular have pulled back the most um, that have some half decent narratives or half decent um, like attention happening on them at the moment. Um, so and then and then, you you know, maybe even like throw some things in that you think that nobody's paying attention to as well. That's that's bottomed out. So in that category, like decent bottomed out coins would be uh, things like LTC, Doge, Monero, Dynocoin type things. Um, even Doge, as dumb as it sounds, like is a perfect play here. I mean, it's like an easy, easy. Like, I've made multiple two X's on Doge over the over the bear market. Multiple, like you know, like it's been so straightforward. You you, you let it do a nice big pullback, um, and like have it go into the red for a period of time, and pretty much within like three months, it's going to pop again. Like, you know, it hits a peak, it dips for about three months, it runs for a couple months, then it drags for a few months. And you can just basically grab a little bit, scale in all the way down, literally to the very bottom, and then just like, you know, after it pumps 2x, sell it. It's really that simple. Um, and you can notice this in the chart too, up, down, up, down, up, down, just a couple of years. It's pretty easy. Um, at this point though, like to take something like Doge, um, it's pulled back to like seven cents um, on this last pullback from a top, little top of 10 cents. And like, um, did you bleed against BTC? Sure. But like the, the, the thing is like on what time scale? You, you just haven't waited long enough for the altcoin space to pick up yet. What's going to happen here is Doge is a perfect example. It's been consolidated for consolidating now at this price level for almost two years. And what will happen is, is that like the miners and everybody else, remember this is a proof of work coin, will behave, behave in a certain way. And what they'll do is they'll be selling to pay electric bills. Um, on proof of work, like when they feel like that's the right thing to do. But 
when the when a bullish market starts, guess what? Everyone does. They all hold. They don't sell anything. So everything sorts of starts to run. And um, you know, so like, what could you plausibly do with um, something like Doge? Yeah, it's at like eight cents right now. If it runs up three fibs, you know, even if it doesn't reach its prior high and it hits around twenty six cents, you've now made a three x. Um, you might make a three x at this moment on the entire course of BTC if you wait for the entire bull run. Maybe if it reaches one twenty to one fifty k. Um, but the reality is, like the odds of making a three x in Doge are, you know, very very high, relatively speaking, because it's had a good consolidation. It's at a bottom, and even if you were going to sell and you're going to like swap into BTC later. You wouldn't certainly do it immediately after running up a three x in Doge. You would, you know, run it three x. You would go, you know, go to cash. Let's say, dump it in a five x. I mean, I'm sorry, a five percent yielding money market fund on on your Fidelity or something. Wait for market to dump at some point in the future, and then buy yourself like you know cheaper BTC on a pullback or whatever. So always like reassess the market condition at that time. Like, where are you? Are you? Or is everything hyper bullish? Is it, you know in ridiculous la la land? Um, and if so, like there's no need to reason to take, there's not even a reason to take a risk at, let's say BTC was 150 and it was going to go to 200. There's no reason to take a risk on it then either for that matter, because really like there'll be a lot of stocks at that point, which compared to your run up in BTC, which will be very undervalued at that point and also have dividends. So, and then can pay you for the remainder of your living days. So, you know, don't think of these things as like all or nothing or whatever. There's different investment um item options out there depending on um your situation but the reality is most people ride up their coins to the top ride their coins to the bottom they're like oh i'm down 90 percent. like what did i do wrong um and you know so like um being diversified um helps you in some ways in particular it helps you because like you'll see more dips in things so if i just open up my fidelity app i'm like oh look those stocks have dipped i'm gonna get those or like you know like ARM, by the way, the the chip manufacturer popped fifty percent, like you know, last couple of days. Um, so it's moved more than most of the crypto market, <laughs> and and it's just basically ARM, the chip maker. So you know, you don't have to necessarily be, um, you know, it's not automatic that you know only things in crypto do well or anything like that. You can find volatility anywhere if you like it. Didn't, didn't ARM get bought out? last year by uh, i can't remember was it a chinese company or was it blocked in the end i know uh it was the only uk chip maker wasn't it and yeah there there was a big hoo-ha about who's going to buy it and i don't know if it ever got blocked in the end the uh the sale or the acquisition of arm mm, i don't know um but it certainly um it certainly had its nice little giga candle um <laughs> like this is one of the biggest one day candles in tech in a while Pop like fifty percent or something. Um, anyway, it was pretty impressive. In either case, um, yeah, I'm not sure about the details of it. I haven't followed oh, them. I, I haven't followed I them the details lately. I found it. It was 2022. Uh, Nvidia was trying to buy Arm for 40 billion, but they quashed it for whatever reason. And instead, said they're going to partner with them. So basically, they got blocked from buying them. And uh, yeah, okay. so they chose a partnership. Interesting. Anyway, I'm just pointing out, like, really, like price action can. You can find it anywhere if you really like, you know, look around. And um, ultimately, um, you know, so at this point, I think we're very early in a bullish market. Um, total three, which is basically all of the altcoins minus ETH minus BTC. This kind of looks at the kind of more higher volatile mid to lower market cap type things. Um, 
you know, has basically just sort of broken out of one and a half year consolidation, had its first move upwards, as everyone noticed, starting in October, November. Um, you know, I would say like the simplest reference chart to look at, which kind of codifies what that I'm talking about is a link chart. It has its little bit of run up. It looks just like the rest of total three consolidated pullback for several months. And um, I think it's next ready for the next leg up. So the way parabolic moves in crypto work, this is true of BTC, it's true of anything, is that you'll have a bit of a run up where you'll have like a couple of weeks and everything goes absolutely bananas. Uh, and then you'll have like maybe two or three months where things go sideways. And then you'll have a couple of weeks where everything goes bananas, goes straight up again. And then again, it'll consolidate for a period of time. So these these are called like impulse move, impulsive moves, and they happen all the time. It's like it's because of combination of factors, the price meme effect, price is going up. Everyone noticed more people look at it. They're like, oh, I don't want to miss out. They FOMO into it. They pump it. The other reason is because um, when there's momentum, momentum traders show up, they're playing on leverage. So they are borrowing off of some asset somewhere. Then they're buying whatever asset or they're just taking multiples of leverage, 2x, 3x, 5x, whatever, on leverage platforms. And everything just moves up all at once. So you wind up getting this like fundamental repricing effect. Um, and then once that move has happened, you know, like coins get locked in at new levels because sort of market makers lock those in at new levels because they figure like, why are they going to sell it to you lower? So they start putting in bids higher. And they create a new market at a higher level. So you'll wind up with these sort of new ranges. And um, in parabolic sort of growth, we call it sort of, I guess, base building. And um, if you go like to the history of Bitcoin, it's it's a lesson in base building. Go back to like 2015 to, to 20, um, you know, 17 top. And you'll notice how many of these kind of episodes there were. They're usually marked by like 40% or more retracements along the way. Um, and that represents um, human psychology kind of and where people think like they're getting a discount and whatnot. And it's like a mental thing. And you basically get this, this parabolic move. You have this like retracement 40%, another parabolic move again and again and again. And I think BTC had seven of those, I believe, up to 2017, if I recall, um, as an example. And, um, and, and you're going to do this. You're going to see this with every alt. Like watch. Watch very carefully how this plays out this season you know, learn fucking something this season. And so you have something to, uh, some information for everyone to sort of like take home. But if you haven't been around a long time, you have to like, just just look at how these patterns work out. Remember, speculative assets are 95% narrative, human emotion, and pure sort of like mimetic effects. That's what the Dogecoin people eventually learned. And I missed out on is that, wow, the whole, like, as someone who shielded Bitcoin as long as I did, I should have picked up that Doge was going to be like huge. Um, I consider myself in, like stupid for having missed that and sort of faded that because it basically blew away everything last season, right? It like completely just dominated. Like, and and the reason why people missed it is because that you you fade the effect of human um, sort of like viral mechanics on things. And what's funny is practically every layer one, practically every coin has now learned from that and said, hey, wait a minute, how do we get a little bit of doge effect in our system? And you'll notice that almost every layer one actually has like been emphasizing uh, meme coins as a way of onboarding people into crypto. And who really gives a shit how people come in in the end? And you know, if they get wrecked a few times, 
welcome to the club. Who didn't get wrecked buying Bitcoin at the wrong prices? Get out of here. Like, you know, like a lot of people rode like 90% downturns in BTC or ETH or whatever. And that's just how life goes. You're, if you're new to this space, you are going to get wrecked. Um, and that's just part of being in finance, being part of buying stocks and everything else. Um, there is nothing that can be done about that, by the way. So like, like if you decide to buy at the top with your life savings, it goes to zero and you kill yourself. For, you, you literally commit suicide. I will not lose an ounce of sleep. I have seen more than 10,000 people die in my lifespan. And I guarantee every one of you will be dead one day. Every single one of you. So if you think like, I'm going to shed a tear because you bought at the wrong price, you have another thing fucking coming. Like you really do. You have no idea what you're doing and you're going to get wrecked. That's your business. As far as I'm concerned, you are free to do whatever you want with your life. You can go use meth if you want. You can use cocaine if you want. You can smoke if you want. I'm a lung doctor. You can smoke. You can, you can get lung cancer if you'd like. That's your, that's your right to do so as far as I'm concerned. If you want to kill yourself, there's plenty of ways to do it. If you want to do so, like gambling your money, that's your fucking business as far as I'm concerned. And, um, you know, if you want to die, go right ahead. Kill your fucking self. That's fine. I'm not recommending it, but I'm not going to stop you necessarily. Uh, in fact, I'm not going to be able to stop you from doing stupid shit. That's just how life is. As soon as you wake up to that fact, um, you're much more likely to be successful in investing or anything else you, you do. Um, so, yeah, like really like getting to this idea that like, people aren't going to behave this way or that somehow it's your duty to you know, prevent them from doing something stupid. I got news for you. I've been trying to get, stop people from trying to do stupid shit my entire life. Like that's what doctors do in intensive care units. And guess what? I have to tell people, um, you know, not to try to kill themselves literally every day doing stupid shit, like eating too much and whatever else. Guess what? Most people just don't listen. Like you think like they're going to listen. My dad says money? Fuck no. People Seth, are stupid. Yeah, go ahead. It says my dad, he's got one famous saying that he always likes to like reiterate to me every mm -hmm. time I do something like, and I, I try and stick my neck up something. He went, you can't fix stupid. And it's just, that's the most baseline rule and you just can't fix stupid. It's stupid. Well, it's not even a question of stupid. Like even smart people do very emotional things. Um, so it's like, you just can't fix humanity is my point. Like everyone's sort of at their stage and whatever it is they're doing. And, you know, I'll have a person who's like been drinking their liver away and, you know, like now has decided to pick up a meth habit for some reason. And I'm like, dude, like you're going to die if you don't quit doing this stuff. I tell their family, go ahead and get ready with a pine box. Your, your brother's going to die because he's too fucking stupid to do it. Anything like anyone says. And they're like, yeah, you're pretty much right. That's exactly what's happening. I'm like, don't blame yourselves. He had his choice in life. He made his decisions. He's going to die. And, um, so if you if you think I'm brutal here, you have no idea how it looks like when I'm the brutality I inflict on in patients who do stupid shit. Like the reality is like personal responsibility is very, very important. And uh, like and if you don't like the sooner you sort of figure this out, the better. Um, otherwise, you're just a child mentally and you'll be a child forever. And that's just how life is. And and when you behave in this way, your family for generations to come will stay poor. Generational poverty happens when you make bad decisions for yourself. Um, every penny that you lose doing who knows what is another penny that your children have to borrow from somebody else and, you know, be at the teat of some big bank or something at some point. And, you know, like while I'm working on my ninth, I used to joke around, like while I'm working on my ninth generation, generation of wealth, you guys are fucking around, right? Figuring out how to like eat breakfast today or something. It's just simply like, it's not the way to think.
you got to think, you know, five, six, seven, eight generations from now, is your family or whatever, your, your society, your philosophy going to be sort of like um, uh, ruling the world? Or are you going to be a slave? You just have to pick which of those you're going to be. And like, you know, and so, yeah, without question, you have to like do this stuff over long term. You have to think clearly and um, decide what your thesis is and whatever it is you're buying. But whatever it is, you don't have that much time, I would say, in the altcoin space. Like at this moment, like we're at the sort of key moment where we've had our first impulse move. And that's considered the disbelief rally, typically. Um, it happened after an approximately two-year, you know, one and a half to two-year consolidation, depending on how you measure it, of like bear market plus consolidation period is, you know, for more or less, like it's been about two and a half years. Um, and you, you've had, people have had plenty of opportunity to pick up the bottom in lots of different things, um, uh, whether it was in stock markets or in the crypto space. And, you know, what, what did I notice on crypto Twitter? Nobody was paying attention. When bear market was going on, guess what? Most people left. They went like crybabies and went off to go do something else. Um, they didn't buy the bottom of things. I know I was here. If they did, they would have mentioned it. Like, and, and they would have like liked your tweets. They would have retweeted your shit. I got news for you. I am going to outperform 99% of all of you without question in everything that I do here. And the reason is because I wasn't lazy during the bear market. Like it does like, think about this. You're talking about coins and things at hundred X, like you could spend a dollar at the bottom or a hundred dollars at the top. <laughs> like you've got the same amount of coins. So you really have to be there at the bottom. You must, you must, you must. If you don't plan to be here, the next bear market, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to sell and I'm going to get out of here. Then you, you are not fit for this shit. You are already a born loser and you're going to stay that way. Just fucking just get out of here. And, and if, you, if that was you, you need to change how you're thinking now. You must be around for bear markets. This is true in the stock market. It's true in the crypto space. This doesn't matter what it is. When things are going poorly, like I don't care if it's real estate market or what it is, you must be there in the bear market. You must pay attention. You got to look at the dynamics of what's happening there. Even if you're not buying anything, you should be learning something about what's going on there. Like, why are people, you know, why do these assets go down this much and not that much? And why didn't I buy at that time? Why was I broke at that time? Whatever the reasons might be, you need to like learn that lesson quickly. But you could be basically a total pleb making almost like you could work at a fucking gas station. I kid you not. I'm not being, I'm being quite like serious here. You could make almost no money and buy the bottom and like 10x assets, you know, at the drop of a hat, like 10x nominal, like without even like, you know, blinking. But the difference is if you get in even after, like, so once people say, oh, I'm getting in in the bull market, you're already stupid. That's really what you are. You're a fucking imbecile. And the reason is you, you left behind, like, I'll give you a great example. So BTC, I remember when I was buying at 3,000, like 500 during the COVID slash Chinese minor crash back then. And I remember posting about this and practically no one saying they bought that dip. It was a nice, deep liquidation dip. I had a bunch of various followers on different things. And I'm buying this and I'm like, look, I am buying this now. And you know how many people liked that comment or whatever? Practically nobody. That's how I know most of you are morons. You're absolutely stupid. And you need to like wake up to that fact now. That is really what most, maybe not in this room, but you know what I mean? Like in general, like no one is buying the dips of anything. 
And if they were, you would see way more social media attention during that time. And you would see people say, oh, yeah, good call. That's, I'm going to get some now. No, they're like panicked as fuck during that time. Like even BTC, when we were, I was buying it, like I bought from 18, no, 19-ish down to like, you know, 15 something, whatever that, whatever BTC's bottom was this last site, last time. And, and I remember Wabi going like, oh no, it's going to 12K. I'm like, fuck that dude. Even if it did go to 12K, I'm going to have more money to buy more of it than you will anyway. It makes no difference. You lose no matter what. Like wake up to that theory here. Like exponential buying into a asset that doesn't go to zero is how it's done, kids. Like, like you're a child if you haven't figured that out by now. It's simple math. Like wake the fuck up to this. And like, like, like the people, like the number of people who literally don't actually say anything when you're like, I've been posting pretty much like the way to sort of almost immediate riches for like two solid years on this platform. Like, and it's pretty straightforward. And, and it doesn't mean like, oh, I put all my, um, you know, eggs in one basket or anything like that. Like, or that like, I know for sure everything's going to go up to infinity or whatever. It just means that like, if you're picking up the very, very bottom of something, you can make a lot of mistakes and still do really well, right? Like you could sell way too early and still be at a 10x, right? I mean, that, that's really what we're talking about here. Like when, when like, I was like, huh, uh, Up was telling me about Zephyr, it was like six bucks. And, um, uh, you know, how long ago was that? That was like, what, October? So I'm like, yeah. It sounds good. I, I like it. Um, I'm going to go into it. And I picked it up at six. It was the top at the time. Um, I just hadn't noticed it before that. And so I, I, it was just about to sort of maybe like it broke out pretty much right after I bought it sort of. And um, and it runs to like 52 bucks, right? Like right after I buy it, like within what, a couple of weeks. So I'm up a 5X or something like this um, or more. Um, and, you know, I just held it because like the thing is, I'd, I don't really know what how high it's going to go. I don't know what kind of retracement it's going to have. These things are very tough to predict exactly. So I'm like, all right, I just sort of bought it. And, and then basically I added more all the way down to like mm, 1060 and um, you know, which is pretty much all the way to the bottom. And I think my average probably now after that is no longer like six bucks or whatever. My average is probably like 20. So I'm actually in the red probably right now. I haven't even calculated it. Honestly, I really don't care. The, the reality is like calculating how much it's a waste of time um thinking about this like it's just clear like exponential moves you these impulsive moves are going to happen and what you get fooled by is thinking that just because i went from 52 to 10 bucks it's not going to have an impulsive impulsive move again that's just how these things work in a bull market they're going to have another base so this was just first base on the first cycle of the first coin and a proof of work system um like like even if it doesn't do great next cycle for some reason this cycle, odds are it's going to do well because it's such a low market cap and the the upside is really good. So, so yeah, I'm spending some time in the red. It's fine. It took me some time to decide, hey, you know, is this worth my conviction or not? I don't know. Maybe. Okay, so I'm going to add some more. And so I have a pretty good sized bag of it. And now if pretty much it goes even back to prior high at 52 bucks, it's going to be worth a lot because I, I bought a lot more um, as I went along. So, um, you know, that's kind of was my thesis there. Is, does that mean like it's the one thing that's going to make me rich forever? No, like, you know, all sorts of stuff can happen with your coins. But, you know, the reality is like it doesn't have to do very much for me to do um, really well. So, for example, it could go to like mm, like its next FIB extension up from $52 is $130 and it will outpace everything I bought 
uh, in the entire last two years in the stock market. <laughs> Just as an example, like, so when you're talking about things that move 10x and whatnot and move 20x's, like, you can outperform like big time, but you just have to find the thing that's going to do that. And that's the hard part. Like, how do you know that's going to be the thing that does it? How do you know something else won't perform better? In fact, I bet you a dozen, dozens of things will perform better. I'm not going to be entirely sure what those things are. Maybe my bet is not the right bet. Maybe my horse in the race won't be the fastest. But the point is, who gives a shit? Like, you just have to be around for long enough and you'll find some things that outperform others. That's just how life works. Um, persistence really pays in terms of exposure to um, so when you're in this sort of like high volatility space um, you just have to understand what that looks like what the retracements look like um, you know when might be a, a reasonable time to buy into things or whatever typically um, with alts like your best buys are going to be after 50% or more retracements um, in a bull market those numbers could be like you could upgrade that to like start buying into about 40% retracement and start escalating on the way down. Um, but alts usually drop, like the smaller the market cap, the bigger the retracements. You can see. So 50% moves or, or dumps is not like uncommon at all. Um, like, I'll, like let's pull up Neutron as an example. So Neutron was one that I picked up at like, what was it, 40 cents or something. And um, it ran to about 172 within like weeks after picking it up. And then it pulled back this recent time to like a dollar. So, you know, like the retracement was like a dollar seventy-one to about a dollar. So let's kind of like look at the exact numbers here. So that represents an approximately. Let me get the tool out here. Yeah, it's about a forty-two percent retracement as an example. That one performed pretty well. If if it only dropped that much off the top, then that suggests relative strength, which means it's probably going to perform well moving forward. Um, a 40% retracement is relatively mild for an alt, um, especially off a top like that, especially off like a big first cycle impulsive move. What I mean by first cycle is, um, so if, like each of these exponential cycles um, can be measured with one gigantic move on long time frames over the period of months on the monthly chart. And then sort of a big pullback um, and then a big move and then a big pullback. And so, you know, I don't remember what cycle BTC is on now. Is it seven or what? Like, but whatever. The point is like you'll get cycle after cycle. And with each cycle, the upside becomes less on a percentage basis. The downside becomes also less on a percentage basis. So, you know, while first cycle Ethereum might retrace 95%, cycle, second cycle Ethereum you know, might have retraced 85%. And then next cycle from the top, it might only re retrace 70%, et cetera. So you wind up with this sort of like, um, uh, essentially like diminishing returns on additional investment because your upside is not as good. But on the other hand, if you're like in it for safety, meaning you'd rather not have as much downside than a blue chip, you know, makes more sense. But like, let's take, for example, what was BTC's retracement? Um, for all of its sort of blue chippy status, like what did it do? Let's see here. Um, let's see. We went from like, what was it? Like 69K down to, um, let's see if I can make this work here. Yeah, it was about 77% retracement from the top. And if you, let's look at previous cycle before that and see what happened. Um, of course, that like, 
was the around 20k top um and we retraced to uh at the time what was it um yeah 84 percent on that run so you can see how um over time what happens is is the retracements gets more shallow but what you will understand based on that is a, a tremendous amount of the valuation of even something like BTC is actually leverage. It's not real money. Like, is BTC actually worth 46000 Fuck no. It's whatever that is minus whatever leverage gets sold off. So um, maybe the true value is, you know, only, uh, you know, like the mining costs right now. Maybe it's twenty, a little bit more than mining costs. Maybe let's say it's 28000 Who knows? But every one of these things has a speculative multiple and they have a... Um, you know, and they have like a hype multiple and they have a leverage multiple and all of that. And the more leverage in the system, the more a thing can pump, but also the more it can dump. So um, like you need to be sort of like, no matter how delusional you are about the nature of your thing, I've been around a long time and I can tell you like everything gets overvalued and everything becomes undervalued for periods of time. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's IBM or Apple stock. I don't care if it's like Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. It's all in price discovery, up and down, up and down. And you just have to decide like things like time preference. You have to decide things like um, opportunity cost. Because like, let's say, for example, um, I don't know, BTC is running high. You know, let's say it's 150K, you know, but let's say ExxonMobil is down or something and like or something, you know, the, you could wind up with like an opportunity cost by buying a top or buying too high because there's always something else that's dipping. So I would suggest like the right thing to do for all of you would be to have like maybe Yahoo Finance running and have like something like TradingView and have like, um, you know, watch the prices of both um, other assets and crypto so you can see where opportunities might arise for things that are undervalued or underpriced. And that's an important um, general lesson. The more things that you're exposed to, it's not so much that like the more you diversify, the more you um, like you don't go to zero. That's all. That's a side effect also. But the one of the benefits of diversification is you will have more dips that are on your radar. So your your attention is expensive, and you know you don't want to spread it too thin, but at the same time you don't want to be so narrowly focused that you have no idea what the rest of the universe or the world is doing. And um, you're going to learn a lot more if you do it my way than if you do it, whatever the fuck you're doing, like, because uh, this is just how this is. There's plenty of things you can make a buck on um, and preserve wealth in and whatever else. So, um, yeah, it, it, like keeping an eye on more things um, uh, at the same time is generally smart. So but at this point, like what what am I doing? Like, uh, am I going and buying a whole bunch of stocks today? Not really. I, I bought a few things like that seemed way undervalued. Like, uh, for example, the Chinese stock market crashed. So when crashes happen, there's you know like these things drop way more than they actually should. Sometimes I picked up a bunch of random electric car makers, for example, um, as like the dip buying opportunity. Uh, on the other hand, the Japanese stock stock market is running to all time highs. I'm like, um, is Toyota really worth this? I'm like, I'm really looking like at maybe selling my Toyota stock. Going, okay, I've made my fifty percent gain for the what one year that I've held it. Maybe I should just dump it, who like, and go buy something much cheaper or much more undervalued. Yeah, maybe it'll run more. Maybe it won't. Who cares? Like, I've made my gain. Um, but hey, Kareem, I told you that Rune was going to do fine. Remember, it's doing pretty good now.
Yeah. I wanted to get your opinion on that. Did, did you pick up the bottom or did you like wait? You you had to wait for it to go up to get more or what? Yeah, I um I I my cost base is like at like four. So I, I okay. um like it was basically around where I bought it, so I didn't really move the needle. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But just that was fucking But big. yeah, it dipped to like it dipped to like three eighty eight to you. That's pretty close to the recent dip. Yeah, I probably, yeah, I think I missed that because, I mean, I check almost daily, but I didn't see it go. Yeah, maybe I just missed it. I didn't really Although see I would it. argue, like, whatever you plan to allocate to it, you should be done by now. Like, I wouldn't necessarily start chasing it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say I'm kind of like, I feel a little bit nervous about Link, so I'm starting to try to put more into that now. Um, oh, Link is the thing, like, yeah, that I'd say I'm like almost least nervous about about almost anything in the crypto space at the moment. Oh, I'm so, just nervous about it from like uh, not having enough. I'm not having like, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah like just yeah. exposure amount. Yeah, you got you got a little bit of FOMO or whatever. Yeah, and I think it's priced acceptably still. I think under twenty one dollars is like the the sweet spot. After that, it's like um, it'll go up, but it's like you know, you might you find better opportunities at that point maybe. But yeah, but really in alts right now, I would say like everything is at that like sweet spot where the the you're not picking up the low on the recent dip anymore. You're picking up almost the confirmation at this point. BTC's running, everything's picking up a bid, and market makers are going to start moving their 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 you know their um books upward here, in, in and that's really what's happening. So I think like, yeah, the, the cheap buys are basically coming to an end. Whatever people are willing to take, pick up, I would say be done with it. I would say like if you're not finished allocating by now, um, you're going to get basically late. Um, if you're going to, uh, one thing that like someone mentioned at one point that I think was a really important thing, uh, a co concept was if you're going to FOMO into something, like let's say you don't know too much about something, you're going to FOMO into it. FOMO the minute you think about it, not late. Because usually what happens in the crypto space is you ask yourself, why are you feeling FOMO? You're feeling FOMO because everything's starting to go up. And you're like, oh, maybe I don't have enough of this. Maybe I don't have enough of that. Some people are saying that coin is really good. People post all sorts of tickers on Twitter for all sorts of things. And you're like, oh, you know, like that guy looks like he's getting rich. And like, oh, you know, maybe I, I should have gotten that, but I'm going to get it now. It's not too late. And so the FOMO period is great and everything, but like what you'll notice in, in as price action picks up is these things run for about two to three weeks at a time. And what'll happen is by the time your brain thinks, oh, it's time now. Yeah, I think it's time now. Like, you know, everyone's thinking the same thing. Then you get this gigantic impulse move, but like you've already missed out on a significant proportion of the, the, the gain. Because you didn't buy the bottom because you're waiting for everyone else to tell you that the bottom is in. So there is a price to pay for confirmation. That price is usually like a significant multiple of the value of the thing. And some people like that. They're like, I'm just a momentum trader or whatever. And um, that's fine. They, they don't, they'd rather not see their portfolio ever in the red. And, or maybe they're on leverage. They can't go to the red because they're going to get liquidated. So they're really, really looking for the, the confirmation. You have to be careful who you're following, by the way. When people talk about stuff like, I'll see people like, oh, like, I'm not going to get that. You know, it's going to go even lower. I'm like, yeah, so what? I have more money. I'll buy more lower. Um, you're the poor person waiting for the exact bottom. Like, don't look at me. <laughs> like, you know, like, this is now how a rich person thinks by any stretch of the imagination. We scale in.
because we know there's no way to predict the bottom. But by the time you get confirmation, um, what'll happen is that like you're already sort of in a mode where things have started to move upwards. And like if you're going to FOMO in, this is the thing. Like when I say everything's about to moon, it looks like everything's about to moon. It's like if you're going to FOMO in, do it at the very beginning when you feel FOMO. Do not do it after a week or some bullshit. Like that's what oftentimes happens. Um, uh, like if there's something new, something someone tells you about and the chart looks acceptable, it's usually better to just go for it than say, you know what, I'm going to watch this for a bit. Like, what are you watching exactly? You're going to watch for it to go down further. Maybe it does. You're going to wait for it to moon and then buy it. Like, what are you going to do? I told you like, like there's things that I purchased that I bought at the very bottom just by luck. There's things that I bought at the, you know, local top, you know, out of, you know, luck or bad luck or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'll give you an example. Like, um, like I felt like, okay, Solana like ran up to its, um, let me pull up the Solana chart. Just an example is something I traded recently or like played with recently. So Solana was, um, uh, had reached its, uh, like, you know, last FIB extension before all time high at, or, or FIB retracement, I should say, uh, $123 or so. And I'm like, you know what, that might break out. Um, so Solana had dipped to like 103 or something like, no, um, yeah, it was like 103. So I went ahead and picked some up thinking, Hey, you know, it might just break. It, it's looking really popular. It might go to all time high cause it's kind of a magnet. So I bought it 103. Um, and then like it, it dips along with the rest of the market. It goes to 80 bucks. So, um, was I timing this wrong? Sure. Like I was off by, you know, I could have been you know 20% better. Um, I picked up some more at the, like on the way down and then on the way up, I actually sold my Solana, um, because I felt like, uh, once I had done a little bit more link research, I was like, ah, you know what? Like link is probably the lower risk overall choice here, given the already, you know, run up to the last like fib retracement before high for Solana, whereas link had only gone up like to its third fib retracement, um, level. And I was like, you know what? There's probably more like immediate upside here. Uh, and so what I did was I waited for my Solana bag. I bought more to the bottom. I waited till my cost base, I brought my cost bases down. It went back to about a hundred bucks. Um, I sold it to where, um, like not a hundred bucks, something. I sold it to where I was in the green. And I was like, you know, I, I like Link instead here. So I went ahead and bought that. And um, I picked more Link up at like, um, maybe it was like 15 bucks and it's now or maybe 14. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I just clicked buttons, but now it's like 18 bucks. So that's a pretty good move. Um, it's not that I was like certain that Solana would be a bad idea or that it couldn't go up higher. In fact, I'm certain it's going to go up higher. Um, I just felt better about like my thesis for link and that it was more like not so layer one dependent. And I have a lot of layer one exposure anyway. So I was like, let's just do, let's just do link. So I went around that route. And so I think that's fine. And right now, if you look at the link BTC chart, it's underperforming. So if you look at like, um, it looked like it was just about to break out and then it kind of had its little dip here um, as link does link just goes up and down. It's just nuts. It just goes like crazy. Um, it's pretty normal link move. And I think like it'll, it's ready to go on its run. And I think it could readily hit its all time high, which is like, you know, three X from here, which um, is very, very feasible, um, especially with so many more developments compared to last season. It's got like 10 X the new, 
amount of new utility available compared to last season. So, so I was comfortable with it. But that's just an example. Like you don't have to be perfectly right. You just have to kind of have some theory about what you want to do with it with your money, and then just sort of execute on it and then wait. But now, like you know, am I adding too much more? Not really, because I've mostly expended most of my free cash on buying things. I don't like you know. So um, you know, the only way I could buy more crypto now in any substantial amounts would be to sell some stock assets or something else. Um, much of which is in the green. So it's like, I, I would have to pay capital gains or something on that and then give up dividends and then like gamble. <laughs> Sefi, I was going to say, I need to know what, like this NVIDIA thing is pissing me off. <laughs> what about it? It's just like, it, it just, I don't get how stocks move like, like all, altcoins like it doesn't make sense to me i don't care um, how high it's, AI it's, is. <laughs> it's just because you weren't i don't know if you're around during the dot-com bubble but they do this um so you can get to sort of obscene valuations on like whether it's ai speculation or whatever else but yeah it's it's hitting highs now at 703 huh yep it's like so part of the reason this happens is, is there are some people that figure you know what we're smart enough to short this thing so what they'll do is they'll put in short positions and get like you'll get ongoing short squeezes all the way up so the shorts end up providing liquidity for upward action so um you can get sort of like absurd price movements um at some level or the other i think uh, nvidia is running because of a variety of reasons one it's running because it's running right because remember the price meme effect um so it could go up to who knows what um but like you know is it a reasonable sell here yeah sure like you know like why do you have any nvidia at this point are you are you holding it or what are you doing with it you're no i haven't touched it since i sold at like 250 when i was like oh i made a killing and then okay and so, then and it kept going that's yeah. yeah that's fine you know like that happens when you when you invest it's like you take your profit as long as you're in the green um there's always something else um like for example like would i buy nvidia here or would i buy chain link here oh i'm buying link for sure like link is an easy to react from here is Nvidia easy to react from here? Fuck no, it's risky as hell. So yeah, I mean you don't you could easily make that elsewhere, even though you sold at whatever level. So it's not a big deal. I guess the deal. question here is like, if you're if you're in fact you could make the argument it's a lot easier to make a three x elsewhere than it is to do it in that. Like a lot easier. Like so, <laughs> like I wouldn't even like hesitate to say that. Um, there are simpler investments. So yeah, I mean, there you have to concede that there's some things that are overvalued. The market's irrational. It'll take it to some level and it will dump from there. Like there's like these things can't maintain ultra lofty valuations forever forever. So that is something that um but remember like that what's that phrase? The market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. So the what they're what they mean by that is basically to say that um like you could think you're smart, you could short the Nvidia stock. Because remember, it's one thing to say you sold at the top or whatever. It's another thing to say, oh yeah, I actually am going to short this because I have such conviction it's going to go down. Now that's just pure gambling at that point. Um, and then like it wouldn't be surprising if you get liquidated or something on these crazy moves, where truly the market is more irrational than you think and goes way higher than you think, and then you know stops out your shorter you know, get you liquidated or whatever. I was going to say, like, I want to kind of do like a year out 
because think about this right now nvidia's market cap is 1.73 trillion with a pde ratio of 93 right like you know like it's it's actually riding higher than like like you know apple did at these market caps pretty much ever um and to say that there's a speculative multiple here is an understatement because if you're trading at 93 pde that means NVIDIA would have to make a lot more money over the next five years to sort of like make this valuation work. So you are expecting five years of perfect execution. Now that may happen, like it's quite possible, but is it a great, like, is it gonna have the multiples that a lot of other things will probably have at this level? Eh, I'm, I'm saying maybe like, would I pick this or intuitive surgical at this, at this point? Clearly ISRG. Like if I was going to pick between them, and I could be totally wrong in terms of short-term price action, but like, uh, as far as like the risk I'm willing to take at size, um, like if you had all your life savings, would you buy Nvidia here? And I think the answer is probably most people be retarded if they say yes. So if that, like, you should use that as a basis for your rational thinking. If I if I was had a gun to my head and I had to go all in on this, would I buy? Would I put my net worth in this at this price? Ask yourself that question, and that would bring rationality back to your, like, bring some sanity back to whatever you think it's worth. <laughs> so, like, you know, if like if your life depended on it, if you were literally going to be shot dead if this thing goes down, would you buy it here? And if the answer is no, you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't get this, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, uh, apply to yourself irrational, like, limits on these things, and see if that they make sense to you um, at some point. Anyway, uh, yeah, don't lose too much money. It's a good thing. Uh, yeah. I want, I, I want to short Nvidia. Like, I want, you to, want to, I want yeah. to have a year out, like, four hundred dollar fucking put as my strike. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, like that might, it might play out like that, right? Like, it might be possible, assuming you can. I don't even know what the the pricing of those things is right now, but. So yeah, but the, I mean that's the the like holy grail play. Everyone that tries to short something tries to figure out, and I think in some ways it's actually easier to buy spot and hold than it is to try to like gamble the specific directionality of the market. Um, of which, by the way, you have no material control. Like if you're a, you know, you move the market. Like you're a Berkshire Hathaway, and you could buy something, and everyone goes, "Oh, look, Berkshire, Berkshire is buying it. We're going to get it too." Okay, well then you're like an influencer status. That's different. But um, to make like these kind of guesses when you're not an actual market mover or you don't have any insider information about the the details of something um, means that like I don't know. <laughs> it's like it, it's a. Um, I think you could get lucky a few times and get l and a lot less lucky a lot of times and then lose all your money anyway. So, cause usually like whatever you do in practice, you're going to tend to repeat it. So if something works for you, you're going to do it again. And it's like, Hmm, <laughs> and then maybe the first time was luck. And the next time it doesn't work out the way that you thought it would. Um, it can be dangerous. It's happened to me. I've, you know, I felt uh, confident about some things and they go to zero quite literally. Um, and that was not fun, but what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, you, you should be comfortable with like your investments going to zero. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, even, even things like people have had, you know, their crypto, you know, you know, like they've lost it due to crazy shit. Like, um, there was a report yesterday that 
someone had, um, so somebody moved a significant amount of money out of Kraken, like there's like over a million dollars of some crypto. And they, someone noticed that move and they figured this person was going to use that money for something. And they found, I don't know how they did it, but they got a seed phrase or like, no, they got a, they got an address that was very similar to that person's address. They spammed that person's wallet with that address by maybe dusting their wallet or something. And that person was making another transfer of that money to somewhere else. And they thought that that address that they were transferring back to was the right one. It turns out this was a, a, like, you know, not a spoofed address, but a very similar address somehow they, this person got which is really difficult to do in a quick time frame. Who the hell knows that, how that happened? And they used this address and then they um, uh, had this, per this person accidentally thought, because it was in their, you know, their, their address history, they were transferring this $1.1 million or whatever, and they accidentally transferred it to the dust address of the, somebody else dusted them with and they lost their money. Um, so even like, if you're careful with your crypto, you think you're pretty smart, whatever, like people lose their money in the weirdest ways that like you would not fully imagine would be an attack vector. So, um, to say in crypto in, that you have to be, um, consider of the possibility that your, your coin could go to zero is definitely true. Um, and it can be the weirdest attack vectors that you hadn't thought of, whether it's like people worried about ledgers. You know, there's all sorts of interesting, like, um, like FUD that's been around in terms of how you can lose money. And but the more the more weird shit I've seen come true, I'm like, what? Like, you know, like people lose their money in all sorts of strange ways. So be careful out there. Um, and uh, yeah, if if anything, like the diversification might be because you could actually have something go to zero, not because the chain is not good or not because the coin is not good, but because of some sort of opsec thing. You know, security thing that you did wrong that um, might lose you some money. So yeah, be careful out there. Um, don't push to meet buttons. If you're in DeFi, don't you know sign on to too many different contracts and addresses. It's really easy to fuck that up. Um, you can actually you might think you're going to CoinHall, but then you type CoinHall in Google and it takes you to some spoof address that just takes you to some other bullshit website and they drain your wallet. Um, these kinds of things, um, especially in DeFi, you're signing contracts. Be very, very careful. Um, and even when you are careful, people have lost gigantic amounts of money. So if you are not like some blockchain sleuth and you know what you're doing and you have a, like a really clean strategy of how you do things, I'd be very careful. If anything, like I would make sure that you bookmark all DeFi sites that you use. Don't Google them. Uh, once you have identified that that is in fact the correct address based on their Twitter or some other way, bookmark them, keep them going. Anyway, I don't want to drag this into security stuff at this point. But anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, like, yeah, grab the things that maybe haven't moved yet and maybe have had some of the stronger sort of narratives, shill cartels, attention, you name it. And those are the things that are likely to sort of um, like sometimes keep running. Um, on the other hand, you know, maybe on the far end of the spectrum, pick the stuff that really hasn't done anything at all. And um, realize that those things are probably 3x pretty readily as well. That's what I was mentioning with things like Dogecoin and Litecoin. Stuff. What about uh, Fetch? What about Fetch and some of these AI tokens they haven't been 
doesn't seem like they've been moving as everyone anticipated. No, they're, they're, they're doing about similar. So they, it, Fetch went to 0.79. It dipped to about 0.51. I originally bought it at about 39 cents. I sold it at about 70-ish when the thing looked kind of toppy. Um, and um, what did I buy? I, I bought like, um, what did I buy with that? I bought like Link at $12 or something um with it so i'm I'm ahead um having done that but um i'm not 100 percent convinced about where the ai narrative tokens are going to go on the one hand i might be just in disbelief and they're going to moon um with because you know there's going to be all sorts of ai related content and news showing up next year and the year after that and people tend to use ai as a search term and it could definitely keep running um it's all-time high is a dollar 20. it's currently at 60 cents which is a 2x from here um which i mean in an early bull market like this it's very feasible to hit that um so and then it's higher fib extensions beyond that are 478 and 992 so is it still possible to get to those levels i think it is um crypto wizard likes it he shills the shit out of it or at least mentions it from time to time and his heart, his followers are pretty hardcore as far as like, you know, like, you know, whatever crypto wizard says do kind of thing. So um, I think like it has some things going for it um, at the same time at this moment, am I in anything that's particularly heavily AI focused? Not exactly. I'd say AI is like, I'm sorry, Link is like AI adjacent because verifiable truth is going to be necessary in a world where AI can make up fiction 24-7. Where AI can scan your wallets and sort of like figure out who you are or whatever. Um, The like privacy sort of I think will catch a bid. CBDCs and privacy I think will catch more and more of a narrative over the next couple of years. So that's where my sort of like small cap Zephyr bag and a little bit of XMR um, like come into play. Um, and then of course, you know, everyone has their BTC bag um, and you know, whatever that you know, amount you have in that. And then I've got little micro bags and a bunch of little randoms, a uh, little bit of Dogecoin, a little bit of Litecoin, a little bit of um, uh, Monero. Yeah. A little bit of, um, so there, I've got some, some dust in a variety of things that I picked up. Um, the other day I had, I got a two X on dimension. Um, so what happened with dimension is I bought it at like, I don't know, three bucks or something. And I should have filmed it in the minute I saw it, but I, I right curved that I'm like, Oh, the FDV is too high. The market cap's too high, blah, blah, blah. You know how it is. Like you, you overthink this shit. And so I, I waited to, it was almost like $3 by the time I actually pulled the trigger. But, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. There's a lot of narrative here. People are talking about it. I don't really care what it does the end of the day, it's going to go up. And so I bought it and um, I picked it up at like three. Um, I sold it after it doubled. Um, So I sold it at like on, on what happened was on osmosis, it was actually over $7, like, and it was like $2 higher than it was on CoinGecko or anywhere else. So it was like basically got bid up too high. So I was like, Ooh, this is a nice deal. So I sold dimension at um, like about $7. It's seven seventy now. I sold about 50% of it and I left the rest of it alone. So I got my free dimension. Then I took the atom that I had originally like sold this in. So I sold, I've had some atom. 
um, in my wallet some dust. I bought this dimension to begin with. And then after I doubled um, the dimension, I kept what ha I had of that as like sort of free, you know, free ride. And I'll just hold on to it. You know, it's basically got a market cap of 1.1 billion and an FDV of 7 billion, which is absurd. Um, so it'll like, but you know, it's a bull market. People don't fucking care about what the FDV is. You know, newbies don't have any idea. They just, oh, everyone's talking about it. I'm going to buy it. So I figured I'll just hold it. Maybe it, you know, performs another few X's from here. Fine. I'll sell it again. Um, I'm not, so, I'm not. Seth, mm -hmm. question on this then, like, yeah. um, when you say like, don't like pick stuff that haven't, hasn't done shit. Um, huh. like what, how far back are we talking? Like, are we talking like rune where if you've looked back at what it did in the last bull run, it kind of like, it really hasn't done sit, shit since. And then, or are you talking like, well, nothing did very much during the bear market except yeah. new coins. So okay. uh, what I mean is like, if you look at, look at a Litecoin chart and then you'll find something that has barely moved this season. Right. Like that, that's what I mean. Can you, can uh, you look at the RSR chart real quick too? Um, if you like, I, I think I brought it up to you before, but it's also separate from AI. There's the whole tokenization real world assets thing, which I think they're big on. And that has just been a flat line like for three years. Um, RSR sort of rode the um, the stable coin narrative of Luna UST. Yeah. Uh, RS reserve and reserve rights, which is kind of like a stable coin rebasing pairing thing of some kind. Its market cap is like, yeah, 130 with the FDV of 250. Um, yeah, it hasn't really done very much. It's picked up though. Mm, from 0 0.002 to 0 0.0025 in the last month. Let me take a look here. I'm just trying to learn like that to me, that, that, that to me is like, that to me is the thing that you're saying. Like if it has, yeah, moved, this like, is an example can, of yes. one of these. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now it's, yes, yeah, it's still down 97.9% .9 from its top. So it certainly hasn't really moved at all. And um, remember in crypto, the things that are like look worthless, uh pump and the reason is because so let's say btc pumps it pulls you know a 2x from here then you have a bunch of rich people who want to basically like leverage their assets or whatever it is they want to do and what the whales do is they just literally go and buy up everything like they go down the list and go oh i'm gonna get a little bit of this a little bit of this a little bit of this and it starts to move and remember what I said, as, this, as these things starts to move off of their bottoms, what happens is, is that there's a price meme effect. People are like, oh, why is it going up? Every single person's app, their, their, their coin geckos or whatever, is going to start flashing, you know, this is going up, that's going up. And then people get FOMO and then they start bump, jumping into it. So what you'll notice is, is that very commonly in the altcoin space, you'll see this sudden like big candle up, like somebody just like aped into this thing. <laughs> you know, like it's very funny. And what you'll find is that like, it'll be some whale or whatever, who'll just buy a bunch. And then it will trigger alarms all over the place. The 5% alarms, the 10% alarms, 20% alarms, whatever. And all they have to do is sit and wait. And the, and the moths just start, you know, floating towards the flame is what happens. So yeah, like, could you do fine with RSR? Sure, probably. Um, it's like market cap 326, so it's not super small. Um, but uh, yeah, it might it might do okay. It's just it's also because like they're kind of that example. And, 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 and I'm talking about this from a pure like 
chart technical hype cycle perspective, not like, oh, I know what how good RSR is as a, as a project and whatever else. I don't know that I don't very I don't know very much about its fundamentals. Yeah, I, I was just I was just gonna say it kind of reminds me of Link, where you were saying when you're going through all the market caps of things that were valued more than it, but it's like they're still they're still building through the bear market. They're still improving the product. It hasn't development hasn't changed. The team has been growing. That just the price is not correlated. So to me, it feels like okay. Yeah, there's some, some things. Stand. There's some things that are undervalued based on fundamentals, and I think Chainlink's one of those. Right? Like if you say like, what are the fundamentals of Chainlink? What are the fundamentals of Solana? Like, <laughs> like Solana just got a lot of attention. But are its fundamentals, its actual tech better than Chainlink? I would say no. So that would be a case where like it's undervalued based on fundamentals. Is RSR one of those? I have no idea. Like I don't know the fundamentals well enough to really say either way. You have to really deep dive into that shit. And not only that, but like it sort of rode on the coattails of Luna UST. Like, oh, what's the next stablecoin project? Oh, let's go get some reserve rights. Is it going to do what it did last bull market? Um, I'm somewhat doubtful of that. Having said that, I have no idea like what narratives get spin up, spun up and what it could possibly do. But if you look at its price now, it's at like 0 0.002. At the top, it was like 0 0.110. So big, big multiple difference from where, where it could be versus where it is now. But yeah, is it cheap now? Yeah, sure. Relative to you know prior price history, sure. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty close to last bull market, um, last bear market, I'm sorry. It did a complete retracement pretty much. When you talk about like, you know, it's currently down 97.9%. It actually was down probably 99.9% at the very bottom. So it was like really, really like wrecked. Um, and what, the, what does that tell you? Like almost all of its value is speculative multiple, right? So like the true value of RSR is closer to what it is now. Like the true value, the utility value is closer to what it is now compared to what it was at any time during its tops. So, and I don't even know how many people use their stablecoin or whatever. Maybe nobody does. Like, in fact, I'd say probably no, nearly nobody does. <laughs> I think they re-architected their whole thing, man. It, like, they re-architected it completely where you create, like, anyone can spin up their own stablecoin and RSR is a thing that backs it. And it's it's a weird one. It's it, They changed the whole protocol, kind of rugged everyone that was holding the token, I feel like. But, um... Oh, they pivoted like to some new thing. design, but yeah, I don't know what that means because there's also like 50 billion RSR, like in half of it's locked up. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm. My problem with these coins that are like redesigns, mm, first off, explaining the whole history of the thing to somebody is too complicated. So, from a narrative perspective, it's these things are dubious. The second thing is like. All of the pe previous people that bought this coin at higher prices are now your resistance. And, you know, if you're going to talk about something that has a bit of a stable coin idea in it, like Zephyr, you know, which is basically Monero with a splash of, you know, stable in it, um, which is pretty, it's safe in that respect. The plus side is its market cap is not hindered by a long history of resistance or bag holders who are going to sell on you on the way up. And that's the danger of some of these other projects. Um, like, for example, um, one of the ones I held um, last year 
was eagled mm, and it did pretty good like i think i bought it at the time like maybe 100 bucks i think i sold it at, like 300 dollars and or or a change something or 350 maybe and it went to run on to like 540 and then it like um crashed down to 22 dollars um they've rebranded their whole system as the um like multiverse x project so during the bear market and such like i had i repurchased eagold i bought it at like i think around 47 dollars and below yeah 47 all the way down to maybe like maybe 30 bucks i, I picked up some more and then it had a little run up in this recent run and it and it ran to about 78 bucks and um that is one of the things that i sold at that point it, it was an, it was in a profit it took me two years to make a profit on it but i sold it because i said you know do i want this or do i want to try something else with that same money and i had also earned like yield i think it was like seven percent i don't remember what the yield was maybe pretty good yield and i earned some yield over the last two years holding it as well so i kind of took all of that and i said you know what do i really want to hold on to this but um, I'm, I'm seeing no timeline stuff regarding um, this project, which makes me nervous. It's not that there is no activity, but like I didn't see very much notifications out of their uh, original account. I didn't see any timeline buzz about it. I even asked the question on Twitter. I'm like, if someone convinced me to keep their my eagle, I will. Nobody wrote a tweet back when I when I put that ticker up. Right? That makes me nervous because I'm like, wait. Is no one following this ticker? Nobody cares. What's going on here? So that's when, like, I took some of that and I dumped some of that into my original Zephyr buy, for example. Um, and that was the correct choice at that moment. Um, now, is it one that, like, you know, is, um, you know, it, like at a decent place in terms of fib retracement and such? And could it really run this season? Sure. It very well might. Like I said, everything runs in a bull market. But is it going to have as much of a narrative as a lot of other things out there that I'm not sure of. And so, um, you know, I, I think people do have a tendency to maybe re rebalance their portfolio a little bit, rethink their thesis um, and whatnot. And that's certainly a reasonable thing to do. But um, yeah, EGLD, I didn't really hold on to it. Um, maybe I'm going to regret that. I mean, like, for example, it's now at $54. Its previous high was 540. If it can reach that again for whatever, you know, you know, whatever narrative it, they want to run, you know, maybe it runs again. I don't know. Hard to say. But um, Eagle, like, I don't know. It's available. Like, you can get it, I believe, on enough exchanges. But some of the things I'm a little nervous about is, like, uh, this season, there are some things that U.S. customers had access to, like, KuCoin, which has become much harder. And some of these coins were really like they pumped because people had their money on KuCoin. They had their wallets connected to KuCoin and they could take leverage on KuCoin and pump everything. I don't know exactly like how the changes to US exchanges is going to change money flows. Remember, like we had like eGold was on Voyager last season, Voyager went bankrupt. Um, you know, um, but, but there's other examples of this. The point is like the, you had a lot of coins that you had access to before that now you have to jump through hoops to find. I believe Eagle might be on 
it might be on Coinbase now too. Let me check real quick. I'm not suggesting anyone necessarily buy it or not buy it. I'm just like looking at the, you know, something that I've owned before to get a feel for it. But let's see here. Uh, so opening up here, hold up a second. Um, yeah, I'm just curious, like, is it actually um, on Coinbase? If it is, then it might be a bit more bullish. Uh, yeah, it is on Coinbase now. So yeah, that's not bad. So anyway, it's it's a basically a sharding platform that essentially works. Um, what made me nervous about it was like during the bear market, it wasn't catching much excitement. And I was a bit maybe disappointed in the fact that a lot of the projects on it were not talking very much during the bear market. That kind of pisses me off because the best time to bring in new investors is during a bear market because their upside's really good. And it irks me to no end when teams don't talk about their projects during bear markets. It really pisses me off. Um, because then like, then you're only pumping it on the way up or at the top or whatever. And you'll see this too, by the way, teams will all start showing up doing Twitter spaces and whatnot. Um, when everything's going up, but when everything is down, they're like, Oh, we're heads down building and whatever bullshit conversation. And like, they don't have enough engagement, um, during the bear market. So that, that I feel is a problem. Uh, some projects that did not do that just for reference would be like Thorchain. Um, Chad and the gang and, you know, his various minions did, you know, fairly consistent Twitter spaces over the bear market. Um, um, what's his name? Um, you know, the founder of like Akash took my advice and they kept doing some during the bear market. Um, let's see who else. Um, but yeah, like if you look at the, oh yeah, like Sissel and company from like, um, What's the name of their chain? Um, uh, Omniflix. They they kept doing a lot of spaces during bear market as well. Um, so yeah, like when you have a bu bunch of buyers of your coin during the bear market, when price become go, starts going up, they get excited and they become the your biggest proponents and chillers and stuff. So I think it's important. Um, like I, I think it's important that. Uh, um, you know, like these teams stick around during bear markets, to talk about their coins, even though it's like, it's frustrating for teams too, because like you don't get much audience on in uh, like, it's the price meme effect again, when your price is down, nobody cares. Like people aren't on Twitter. They're not going to those Twitter spaces. They're not hanging out with you, whatever. Um, just nobody cares. And this is the problem. So it's like, that's why these projects don't talk at all during the, 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 the so-called bear market. So bull markets always come back because people always behave the same way. Bear markets keep coming back because people keep behaving the same way. And the longer you have been in this, the longer you're convinced of this. Um, when you're, mm, so like, will there be another bear market in the future? Yeah, pretty much. Like things that jump, you know, 100x that pull back 90%, you're going to get bear markets. You're going to pissed off people. They're going to be butthurt. They're not going to show up on crypto Twitter or whatever. Oh, speaking of crypto Twitter, an interesting thing is um, the gigantic increase in usage of crypto Twitter and how many people watch this like Tucker Carlson episode or whatever. There's been this debate about whether Twitter is going to be the right place for um, where influence is going to matter the most in things like crypto. Um, 
and uh, judging by the gigantic increase in X users, I think probably um, it's going to it's going to get stronger. If not anything, it seems like Twitter is probably going to get stronger than it's ever been. Just judging by the direction Elon uh, Musk is taking this, so I think like if you're here and you like getting followers and you know whatever posting on Twitter, it's probably going to be a reasonable um, growth opportunity here. Um, either for crypto teams or otherwise. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Sefi. About which? Twitter doesn't exist anymore. X. So it'd be physically impossible for uh, Twitter. X, whatever. Because <laughs> you would do this to me and you would be so pedantic <laughs> with me if I did it. So I had to get you back. Like you've done X, it to me yeah, so many yeah. times in the past. Yeah, whatever. X, Twitter. So yeah, it's... um. But yeah, the the I, I think the the growth is is clear and like its ranking is in the app store is clear. So I think like the the plus side to that would be is if you're worried that if you have you're trying to create like an account that had some influence, for example, and someone was worried that like they worried that they weren't going to have sufficient influence. Um, I don't think that's the case. In fact, it's probably an increase of anything. I'm just here to respond to every single troll account. As mm. as you can see, the last few days, so yeah, yeah, yeah. every single troll post I, I respond to. That's that's just kind of my bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steffi, on the on on the topic of uh of uh people not disappearing when shit goes bad, Thorchain was like an exemplary example. Um, where do you see like how Rune? What what do you think happens with Rune in the next? six to 12 months probably be my most interesting question um what's kind of price action you mean like what, what what do you think happens to a token like rune in the next bull run with the team the traction the developments they've made oh yeah um well um hmm. so again like hard to be totally sure um, on the one hand, you have some metrics that suggest that Rune ought to retest its prior highs. One of that, one of those is that like we're only on the first impulse move in retracement, and you know it only takes basically a five x to hit twenty five bucks. Last season, twenty one was a top. So, from a speculative perspective, it's just really easy to move that much. Um, and if you hit prior high, which is fairly probable. You know, getting to fib extensions like fifty-two bucks or eighty-three bucks, just really mooning from here is quite possible. Um, you just have to have like the diamond hands or whatever to sort of see that through. Because um, remember, it's not about how high it goes; it's about how high it goes before you're willing to sell. Because you know, like, like the number of people that are going to catch the top are like one percent of people. Because remember, if you look at any of these charts, go look back for a second. And from the top, like when Rune was $21.28, it dipped like from there, it dipped to $8.60. Like, you know, these are, I have it on three day candles, but literally within three days, it dropped that much. So what are the odds you're going to catch the top? Um, the odds are pretty damn low. Um, they're certainly low if you're not paying attention. So if you're not watching 
yeah, so it went from like $21 to like $6. Let me pull up how many days this was. That was one, two, three, four, five, about five days. So you'd have to be watching like a hawk. And even if you were, you know what happens if you watch like a hawk, Kareem? When you watch like a hawk, you see your number go up and you're like, ooh, I'm going to sell because like, you know, like I have life-changing money here. I have enough gains. I'm going to be out. So you either will sell low and you'll miss the last parabolic up move of the coin. Um, or you are going to hold on and see most of that evaporate within like, you know, a week. You'll see it go down like 50% and it never retraces back up to that same level again. So this is what this is what I mean to say that why it's so less risky in a bear market. Because when you're buying in a bear market, like let's say you bought Rune this time at a dollar and you're now at five dollars. Well, guess what? You don't care what all the plebs have done. You've won already. What do you give a shit? Maybe it goes to, you know, fifty-two dollars. Maybe it drops to ten after that. Who the hell cares? You're up at you know, you're up at ten X maybe. Um, even at the new new bottom, the new floor. You see my point? Like, so like if you're in at the bear market, you can be a total moron and do well. Um, but the problem is the morons are not the ones that are here during the bear markets. It's actually the smart people. So <laughs> this is the standard problem. I'm, I'm going so to thing is, I'm gonna have to disagree with that because I'm one of the morons that was here during the bear market. So. Okay. I mean, you know, there's exceptions like Drew here. Um, but my point is like on the aggregate, like this is a common problem is that like if you're in early enough, you could be really, really like you could make a lot of mistakes in terms of when you sell on the way up. And as long as you're in profit, you shouldn't really care, probably. Um, but yeah, I, I think with Rune, does it go back to prior high? Probably yes. Um, you know, it, it is that very likely? Yes. There's way more users of third chain now than there were before. And those are theoretically way more possible buyers of the Rune token as it starts to go up. Safi, wasn't there like a wallet that integrated with them and they just announced how much they made in fees because of the, they enabled like Thorchain? So like if Trust I was wallet, yeah, yeah 14 any, million in fees. Yeah, like about any of these wallets, Rainbow, MetaMask, whatever, like, yeah, like why wouldn't they do it? It's crazy to me. That's impressive. So they made that much money just on the fees because they integrated them in the back end. Wow. Yeah, I need to find the tweet. That's super bullish. Yeah, I don't know if it's bullish for the out. 14 bolt retweeted it out yesterday afternoon if you want to find it quickly. So Yeah, and where where Rune where Rune is likely to moon this season um is if Ethereum and BTC run, then remember the deterministic price of Rune um like goes up, right? So the 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 base price of Rune has to go up because you have to have multiples of Rune versus the assets that are secured on that chain so it's a very deterministic coin and um it'll ride down with the market but it will also pick up with the market so let's say eth and btc were to double from here then that would imply that the the deterministic price of rune goes from wherever it is now what is it 250 kareem is it two dollars or 250 something like that let me let me look yeah no i've been funny but i just found the tweet so you can see it the fees that they made. Let me see here. Um, oh, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's good. I believe you. Um, let me let me look at what the. Let me find the. I always don't remember which. 
page on the Ruin website this is. More stats or something? Let's see here. But yeah, the deterministic price of Ruin is the the price based on the the because you have to have how much Rune versus the liquidity on the chain? Is it 2x the amount of Rune? It's 3x. Yeah, so you have to have 3x the amount of Rune on any given... Um, for every given asset that is that you're securing on that network. So remember, it's a decentralized Bitcoin and decentralized ETH trading network. And by the way, if you're a Bitcoin maxi and you're not a also a ThorChain believer... You're not really a Bitcoin maxi at some level, <laughs> like because the ability to not have to use a centralized exchange entirely is a very important um, feature of what this is. So that's why, like Eric Voorhees and other people that are like freedom oriented, like this project. That's I think, um, yeah, it is an important. If you're a Bitcoin fan, um, then I think Thorchain's important. Now, if you're a DeFi fan, technically speaking, CCIP. Um, with Chainlink will actually make a lot of Thorchain features obsolete. That would be the bear case, Kareem. If you're holding really long term, technically speaking, the only coin on here of the UTXO tokens are the ones that you can trade permissionlessly. They're the most important on here, of which the biggest one on here is Bitcoin. With CCIP, you can basically transact in a decentralized way between blockchains and stuff um, without bridges of which Thorchain is kind of a style of one. You, you really don't need a lot of Thorchain features for that. So just keep that in mind. Um, I'm trying to find the damn uh, Thorchain ecosystem. I wish the deterministic price is right there at the top of their web chain, <laughs> webpage, thorchain.org. Mm, if someone could tell me what that number is, I'd appreciate it. I'm trying to find it. Um, the deterministic price of Rune at this moment is what I was trying to find. Uh, because now that BTC's price has gone up, that um, that deterministic valuation is different now. Uh, let's see. Anyway, Rune is basically, a way to look at it is Rune is a 3x leverage play on Bitcoin, right? Because if BTC goes up $1,000, um, Rune has to go up by that much, like like three times that percentage to keep the um, system intact. So the validators or whoever it is that are securing the network have to buy more Rune uh, in order to secure that valuation. That's the that's the thinking behind Rune. I mean, some sort of issue with my it's with my like VPN issues or some shit. I'm not sure what. Or Third Chain's website's fucked up. Maybe. It's not going to what I want it to. Anyway, um, in either case, um, yeah, like, so I think Kareem, uh, Rune only has a small speculative multiple above its um, deterministic price, given that Bitcoin has gone up again. Wouldn't you say? I mean, it's probably like $3 or something. Yeah, pretty tiny. So, Byron. I just took your advice as well, Sefi, although technically you didn't. I just thought I'd buy some uh, some stocks in Canoe. So, GoEV, uh, Chinese uh, electric car manufacturer, because I thought, fuck it, why not? It's down like 83% over the last, like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's see how that goes. Which which one's that? What'd you get? Neo uh, or... GoEV? 
go easy. I'm not sure which one that is, but yeah, all of them are down that much. Yeah, I'm not sure which ones are the best. But that's the well, I, I have to jump to a call, but I'll be back. Sure. On See you later, man. See you guys. Yep. Are you wondering what the dividends payout is? What's that? I'm just looking at what their uh, dividend history is. Hmm. I wouldn't worry about the dividends. These are all like growth stocks. These are not really meant for dividends. No, I'm the just going to wait for it to go off and I'll just sell and then jump into Yeah, it's one. more for that. It's not really for dividend. Dividends like when the company's making money. Most of those uh, Chinese EV companies don't make any money yet. They have revenue, but they're not profitable yet. And so what, what you're betting on is that when they become profitable at some point in the future, that the price of the stock will moon at that point. Well, I'm hoping it goes back to its high, which is just uh, a dollar, which is nothing really. And uh, well, yeah. I say nothing. And then I'll sell out. Although but, the, the Chinese stock market is absolutely wrecked right now. So that could be a number of years. So it's not, this is not one of those really short term. Yeah. Leave it in there because worse comes to worse. If it does make revenue, I will get a bit of dividends from it. So we'll see how it yeah, goes. Yeah, exactly. What will happen is usually with those things is they'll do like, they'll, they'll be sort of like, they'll get crushed during like market downturns because they were speculative assets that didn't make enough money yet so you'll get these wild like dumps like you know 80 percent plus drops and then what will happen is, is if they become profitable and that's an if because you don't know um these things can go to zero as well if they become profitable then what happens is you get a gigantic jump in the price of stock and you wind up eventually at some point maybe getting a dividend so that's how you kind of play those that's fair because I, I took your advice. I think I'm going to start investing into. I'm, I'm waiting for hopefully the American stock bubble to pop, everything crash, and I'll start buying up assets then. Just so I. Can... Well, I would say that the what happened is is not so much the stock bubble popped. The the American stock market right now is buoyed by like a few brand names that have pumped. Mm. So like the Magnificent Seven or whatever you want to call it are a, a major portion of the actual stock market valuation. So there are a lot of good deals in the U.S. stock market now, too, with a lot of stuff down. Um, so it, it's not that like there's a bubble waiting to pop. The bubble has already popped in many ways in the stock market over the last several years. And some people are arguing that we're going to have some crazy ass roaring 20s like run next. Some absurd like, you know, you know, because we have all this inflation and stuff, the stock prices have to inflate also, essentially. Yeah. So like a lot of earnings and whatnot have actually come back fairly good despite all of the, the worries. And that's because everyone has just raised the prices of everything. So yeah, it just exactly. makes it look so like the earnings have gone up. It's no different essentially. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it's like in in dollar in you know, in terms of store of value terms, yeah, it's no different. But they had to be repriced because because of inflation. Same reason why your Big Mac is more expensive, your stocks are more expensive, in other words. It's going to sound like it's, it's going to sound so bad, but do you know what the worst thing about inflation is? We've got this thing in the UK called a 99p flake, right? That's literally what it's called. It's just an ice cream cone, a scoop of, I don't even, I think it's just plain ice cream, no flavoring to it. And you get a, like a chocolate flake in it, right? Mm. It's ever since I grew up called a 99p flakes, you know, 99 pennies, you know, one short of a pound. They're like £2.50 now, but they're still called 99p flakes. That is the best way of, of explaining to a kid inflation. This was 99p <laughs> 10 years ago. Now it's £2.50. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, of course. Mm. Hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Forgive me. I keep getting, I'm at work. I keep getting bumped out on calls. It, but if so, if you already talked about this, um, again, forgive me. But uh, has anybody read the Zephyr Swap white paper since it uh, came out? 
Mm, no. It were, is it out? Yeah, supposedly it came out yesterday, didn't it? Okay, let me see if I can find Zeph it. God was talking about it, and, and he said something in a, a tweet response to a troll here, again, since I, I'm always listening to trolls, um, that I don't totally understand. Um, this guy asked him if they're using Cosmos Tendermint. He said, no, we use liquidity providers, and our back end takes orders through an API to generate receive addresses and send output coins. Can you explain that to me? Because that sounds to me like they're manually creating addresses to maintain uh, the anonymity, which really bugs me. Um, yeah, let me. Um, oh, actually, um, TMT's here. Maybe he knows. Let me see if we can hop on in a second. Um, first of all, let me let's find this white paper. Where is it here? Um, I don't see it on. Zephyr's main page. Hey DMT, what you doing, man? What have up? you what seen up? the Zephyr swap? Have you seen the Zephyr swap paper yet? No, is it out? Apparently. Well, yeah, Zeph God tweeted out yesterday at like 9 a.m. that it was coming out in, in 22 hours. So I figured this thing was probably has, out it, has it been 22 hours? Yeah, <laughs> it's been 25, as a matter of fact. So okay, I don't know if it's out yet or where it's going to be showing up. In the Discord, last I saw was registering domains. White paper will be up there in the marketing channel. Okay. Okay, so it's going to be a new page. It's not going to be on the original page. Okay. That comment, and... though, that definitely bugs me, right? Like, so they're, they're going to be generating assets or, or uh, addresses on the back end for it? I mean, how, how does that work? Am, am I reading that right? Um, well, first off, like, this was my suspicion to begin with. I was like, number one, to have a completely permissionless DEX, you would have had to have created a ThorChain style fork because, like, it's not easy to create a new ThorChain. Yeah. No but, way. you know, forking, it's not hard. And, but the problem was the code for making that private has not been created yet. So, exactly. I knew that like that was a limitation. We knew that like there's Monero pages that are like atomic swap type things, um, which were interesting that could work. Um, but yeah, how, how secure is this new swap system? How decentralized really is it? That's another broad question. Like, what is it running on to make it decentralized? Or is it even decentralized? Is it just like a centralized entity? And um, that be, that begs the question, okay, well, if it's centralized, is it going to acquire much liquidity? And we just don't know the answers to these things yet. So once we see what this white paper actually is, I think we'll get a better idea. I mean, unless the pre-mined coins are what are being used as liquidity, right? I mean, if it's like completely controlled by, by the dev team, you know? It's completely mm -hmm. unrelated to the dev team. Oh, is it? Are, like the, the, are you talking the decks and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so the DEX is run by a community member, and the community okay. member is not the dev team. And the dev team is iBoost and Fenzer. And okay. they've been active in the back channels. Like, when I have a question, I ping them. Like, literally, the next day, it's like, boom, answer. So they're, mm. they're, for whatever the fuck reason, they're strategically deciding to go stealth mode while they're building. Good. And then I hope they disappear afterwards completely. And into the ether, but um, 
yeah, I guess I should probably join the Discord, shouldn't I? Have there been any comments yet about like even for Zephyr, like what's the Oracle update gonna be? Where are they gonna use Chainlink or what? We like how are they gonna make that work? The only updates is what you basically know of like in the one DJ Alliance channel, they've referenced some generic implementation of some other chain that's doing something and they're saying that would be the foundational inspiration or something like that but they've really been holding their cards close to their chests and i mean mm -hmm. i'm waiting for this like dex or i mean like centralized exchange or something right because in the new year's update like when they were doing that i'm not even sure if they had this info or not but i definitely had this info of like they basically said, take this what you will, but funds are secured for a new exchange listing. So I'm just waiting for that. But yeah, hmm. I mean, this also, this white paper will be interesting um, to, to read of the decks. But I, I mean, it, it, it needs to be more of like maybe a new word because maybe it's not a dex per se, because I mean, I agree the comments that I've seen being said in there's no, no real fundamental proof for, like, I, he, I swear he mentioned, like, Sarari or Sarai or whatever. Sarai. And, yeah. Yep. And then, so, I, like, I mean, how would I also just know about this name? And, like, he, he mentioned in a comment that I was reading, and I think he went back and edited it. And then, like, I tweeted about it, and then somebody, like, brought it up and was like, yo, like, what about this? And then he was like, no, that's not that. So, I'm like, I'm a little skeptical or hesitant so here's the thing like i think the thing that would be worrisome is okay if it's just simply some sort of atomic swapping page um where it's it's really just kind of a centralized system then the the people who would be theoretically lping there meaning you'd provide monero and you'd provide zeph and you'd you know make them available to trade and you become a, essentially an amm you know um like a liquidity provider um, the problem would be is if it's centralized, you'd be worried about like whether some of those funds a could be taken from you because you know there's like a focus set of um, keys for that. So you know, is it kind of you know the rug pull risk becomes a concern. But the second thing is the censorship or the ability to turn this thing off because some some regulator or something makes you turn it off. Mm, so these are the kind of concerns. I, I think like what I was hoping for ultimately was. You know, a Thorchain black, you know, Thorchain black box product happens with privacy coins, but I don't think that's what my, that's not the, the wish that's about to come true as far as we can tell. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, I do know that you can have like the, the decentralized aspect, even in a centralized way. Like, so if he's running some sort of interface and standing up some sort of instance to whatever he's built it could then be theoretically stood up somewhere else or in multiple places at once to like deter if a box gets popped or something like that so it depends how it's built and i'll definitely have to read the white paper to mm -hmm. to uh make make my claims on if i'm going to use it or not um i mean but as is the protocol is working very nicely. Um, like the ZR rate, the ZRS rate is going burr. I mean, from far as I'm understanding, people's dollars are still stable on the protocol level. Um, so, 
I definitely think regardless of what this deck brings, maybe I use it, maybe I don't. I'm more curious about what the team is doing because they're either cooking and in I mean they've been saying they're focusing on like US dollar T, right? So I think if they are cooking something, it's that they either want it to be very impactful and they're trying to figure it out or they have nothing and they're just silent. But I think they've got something in their cooking because yeah. of how active, uh, like if I respond or something and like, they want me to get the Android wallet out, but I've just been busy with other things. And so like they, it's not like they want to disappear. Right. So like they, they have incentive to continue. Um, so I think that that at least shows me something. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I, I think it's um, there's plenty of uh, sort of like there's plenty of time anyway. We'll see what comes up. So I think they're coming up. The Zephyr Swap people, whoever that is, is going to come up with their white paper today sometime. Maybe we can see what that looks like, and um, we'll be able to like figure out how bullish or whatever that is based on. The technical merits, um, like uh, it's got to be pretty impressive to impress me. But like at the same time, um, you know, you got to start somewhere, I suppose. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, but like if uh, a decentralized system that can't be confiscated and that can't be like manipulated by a single multisig or something, that's something that LP providers are going to be interested in. If you're going to put in a serious amount of money, if you're just putting nickels and dimes, not and you don't care if it goes to zero, that's a different thing, right? But we'll see what we what happens because you have to have sufficient liquidity to get decent trade execution, um, and and attracting liquidity is one of the most difficult things that DEXs have to do, and um, it's it's always an uphill battle, and the incentive schemes and the safety and everything's kind of an uphill battle. So we'll see. I mean, it took Thorchain sort of like years to get to the where it is now. Um, so DEX adoption in particular is a very slow thing because, you know, people get used to whatever DEX is or centralized exchanges, whatever they're using already. And many people can't be bo sort of bothered. Excuse me, I'm sort of got a little hiccuping here. Now, many people can't be bothered to change to a new paradigm or new DEX or something. Um, takes takes people a bit of time to sort of like break free anyway but uh zephyr now price wise are like 1380 and slowly like trickling up with the rest of the market um it's up like four and a half percent on my little trading view thing whereas btc is up four percent so you can see how like these micro caps move off the bottom even adam's up to 10.13 um five percent move Fetch up seven percent, neutron seven percent, etc. So, yeah, it'd be good. Like, I think the market mover makers will start seeing BTC move up and go, "Hey, wait a minute!" Like, you know, people are going to bid, um, you know, start bidding on altcoins, and they're going to start moving up these, um, uh, you know, these market uh, uh, limit orders are going to start moving upwards. I think the limit buys are going to start moving upwards. Um, so yeah, I think like with hopefully within, I would say, let's see, today's the ninth. 
hopefully by as early as the 21st, we're breaking um, like the $25 level with Zeph. That'd be a good place to be. Um, even better would be just kind of running by the 21st or so. That'd be 90 days from the previous high. If we just have a big impulse move and start running and break prior high at 52 bucks by the 21st, that'd be a really good move. Um, not unheard of either. That was very similar move to like, like last time we, we moved from 15 bucks, uh, Zephyr to 52 bucks. That was like, um, the dates were November 15th through November 23rd or 22nd. So, um, from a price action, action perspective, like when things start going up, they'll go up really, really fast. It won't be one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to wait and see. Maybe I'll get confirmation. Now you'll, you know, things will go up 2x in like a candle. And you're like, oh, wait, I, I wish I would have picked it up earlier. Um, so yeah, buying the bottoms. Um, yeah, you you always have the possibility something can dump more. But when they start, when things start moving, you, you know, the market usually makes it too late for you to get most of the gain. Um, even if you thought you could like catch a lower bottom, you wind up end up FOMOing and buying higher oftentimes. Because what will happen? Like, I bet you... Like, let's say we are, if Zephyr was at $52 again, I'm, I'm curious, like, how many people in this room would be buying it as it breaks previous high? Because you're like, oh, yeah, it's going up for sure now. So those people will always be there. When, when you reach prior highs, there'll be people that will gamble because the chart looks beautiful then, right? And then it runs to the next level. Um, yeah, catching that bottom is the part that's just frustrating always. Like, oh, I bought it at 20 and now it's at 13 or now it's at 10. I bought it at 10. Now it's at five. Oh, shit. Um, and then all of a sudden, like in three candles or three days, it goes to like 25, 30, 50 bucks again. And you're like, whoops, you know, I missed out on this. So I think that's um, if one were to FOMO into something like Zephyr, now is the moment um, because it's still at a really nice retracement from the top. Um, Pull back from $52 down to um 1040 and now it's at 1380 so really just kind of like and it's been kind of trickling upwards from there for about a month now almost a month so it's a it's a really nice kind of like move up again and we'll see if it uh if we finally break free this time because we've had like one two three four we've had like five waves waves down or something you know where you have these kind of like many attempts to break out but they just fail so we've probably had like yeah five waves down or something in that to that extent on the daily chart it's pretty good retracement and the price has gone flat for about a month um which is a good time to be kind of jumping into something like this um dmt you buying anything else lately or anything like you got some alpha on anything i mean i'm i'm doing some coding myself but uh no not nothing not too much buying, but I was saying to my friend on while I was golfing yesterday about Zephyr mm -hmm. and uh, his, mm -hmm. his points, like he finally clicked. He said the stable market is so big that if we can just attract a little bit of that into ZSD, oh, yeah. then it's not going to move. And he, his brain was like, why the algorithm? I don't understand. And when I, when I was like, bro, you have to mine Zeph to get the stable yeah. dollar. So it then finally clicks that once that dollar is in it's basically locked in a sense and so um what well remember what what do Kwan was attempting to do when he created the the btc reserve remember that like there was this idea that we would, we would stabilize luna better by over like 
increase in the collateralization value of UST. Um, the intuition there is like, why was Bitcoin the only one that you could do this with was because it had sufficient um, store of value sort of, you know, performance up to that date. And therefore, um, you know, he felt like it, that would that'd be the way to go. The problem was BTC was not an on-chain thing with Luna UST. It was a external mechanism, which then, you know, creates the, the concern that, wait, how do we know you're going to defend the peg? Or how do you know? It becomes a trusted system of collateralization. The beauty of Zephyr is mm, anything that you thought need, was needed for the Luna UST system to work, which would be some combination of over collateralization, maybe, which sacrifices scalability, let's be fair, but it, um, it improves safety. And then it, you have a proof of work coin on chain within the same ecosystem. That's what basically Terra UST was missing. Um, and then I think the, the other, what's the other one? Um, what's the other, uh, was it, privacy protocol? Well, so before, was it the simplicity that really was a spark? Cause I was not around or I didn't mess around with like Terra. Right. But, and like, I'm just curious what really drove that stable dollar adoption. Didn't you say, or somebody, I think a couple of things, like, was it in the um, wallet or something? One, th yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty long story about why Luna UST is interesting. But what was interesting in particular was that Luna was burned um, in order to mint UST, which sort of created a sort of supply constraint on Luna. And that was sort of kind of a helpful feature. Like it would actually be interesting, even more interesting if Zephyr was um, like some of it was actually burned to create um but sort of it's similar with zephyr in that it's not burned it goes into zs zrs which is the reserve token which um may actually make in some ways more sense because then you know for sure what the on-chain collateral is um versus like just using the general value of zephyr yeah um so it's different the mechanism here like what was the other one um what's the other one that was similar to zephyr that didn't do well um what's the name um shit i'm name some of the other ones that were popular recently um stable, do stable dollars or like just private no there's like a zephyr like system yeah there was another one called not hydra uh shit was it called oh um xhvr yeah yeah exactly with haven haven so what what was pro what the problem with haven to my understanding was is that it was algorithmic and they, so so more and more time that has gone on, we what's ha what we've realized is algorithmic stables don't work. The reason they don't work well is because they're not algorithmically corrected when you use those, when you have those assets off chain. So Luna UST was a great example. You always got, you know, one dollar worth of UST for a dollar worth of Luna on chain. The problem is, is that when UST got adopted, it was put on centralized exchanges. It was Luna was put on centralized exchanges. You could number one, you could you're no longer on the algorithm when you're off chain in terms of like, you know, uh, the price conversions, the algorithmic mechanism wouldn't be able to like fix things except on chain. That was one problem. The second problem was you could have leverage on centralized exchanges and leverage Luna or leverage UST. That became a problem. 
So the algorithmic system could be sort of like, they it could get wrecked essentially, long story short of it. So what's different within the problem with Haven was, Haven did have kind of a, a reasonable proof of work coin. So you no longer have to have off-chain collateral, that problem was solved. But Haven's problem was it was algorithmic and failed for the same reason than the UST did. So Zephyr solves for all of those things because you both have now a, um, you have a uh, on-chain collateral in the form of a mined Zephyr. Um, we get better decentralization because we have used the RandomX protocol here, which is awesome. Um, in that, like, it's survived 10 years and has had no problems. And um, so that's looking good. Um, RandomX has been out since like two or three years, by the way. Um, it's pretty recent. Um, Monero was using CryptoNote before that and oh before that yeah before that yeah yeah okay got it so it's like it's been so monero is updated to to monero is updated yes to random x um monero made a good I didn't know that. smart choice to do that and i still think there's better mining algorithms out there than uh random x but yeah you were mentioning that too on possible ideas um yeah so but anyway the the thing is like okay so now we have a, a cpu mined thing so you can get some reasonable decentralization where the average person can mine their own coin. Like Chugga just mentioned, he he just mined one Zephyr so far, which is cool. Um, I've, I'm I'm getting close to ten myself. Um, like so, um, but anyway, yeah. So you have reasonable decentralization. You have on-chain collateral, an on-chain mined collateral, not just like some random thing. And then on top of that, you have um, the the over collateralization of minimum 400%, which then um, makes the stable coin not easily scalable, but at the same time, it makes it much safer to use. Um, you have a bit of the flywheel effect of tying up some of the Zephyr into ZRS, which is like a good thing because that means that you're locking it up and it creates a pseudo staking mechanism. So you take some supply off the market. The revenue that you make if you're if you have ZRS is quite good. So therefore, like there's a reason why people want ZRS in times of panic, uh, when the when the price has gone down. That that's what happened recently when when um, the Zephyr price dropped and the collateralization ratio dropped below 800 percent, and people immediately spam to go buy. Um, they, they they spam to buy buy the ZRS token, which by the way is super bullish. If you look at the human behavior around, like people buying getting their ZRS. There's clearly a lot of Zephyr owners that want it. So I think we go a lot higher from here price-wise because like, there's a lot of people paying attention to Zephyr when it, when it dips. You may, it may not look like it because we're minting a fair amount of new tokens, but the demand is definitely there. And a, and a lot of people are not selling their tokens because if they did, our price would be way lower than now. That's for damn sure because we, we the supply coming into the space is quite significant with all the new mining, right? So um you know like a vast majority of that mining is mined coin is being held in my opinion um otherwise our price would be dramatically lower than this because i just know what the slippage looks like on on uh on what's it called uh mexi and there's no way we're absorbing like two hundred thousand dollars worth of coins per day in sell pressure um there's no way because like if, if you ever buy two hundred thousand dollars worth of coin here like 
and Zephyr will immediately pump like slippage will cause like a $200,000 buy to go to like $25 today. Like it just, it just spike immediately. So there's, there's not really good deep liquidity yet. So if, if a lot of that mined coin was being sold aggressively, then you would see a lot lower price in my opinion than what you see now. So, cause like there's about 200,000, one to $200,000 of mined Zeph per day coming into the market. And I think a vast majority of that's simply being held. Um, like either way, like why would you buy a computer or like put hashing power into this just to pay your electric bill? It makes no sense. Like it makes more on, sense on, to on speculate. On top of that, the ZRS holders are getting twenty percent of each block, so that's another thing, right? Wow, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, they're getting some of the emissions. Yeah, so uh, like the block rewards are going directly into the reserve, and that also helps the ZRS rate. So if you look at Monero's price chart and all the activity that was on there and all the different highs and lows that it made that was with basically the same code running with 25 percent more supply every block um so there's definitely less supply here more intricate effects going on between the relationships and if the community can maintain and grow to the levels of an arrow then yeah there's definitely going to be some magic multipliers uh hidden within yeah no so i think like um yeah all these like flywheel effects or things that make people want to hold the coin or hold the um the zrs is all good like i think like i was kind of planning this out i'm like huh, okay let's see where where can zephyr go for this season you know do we run to like where is going to be my point where I want to convert a substantial amount of Zephyr to ZR, I mean, to, to the uh, ZSD. Um, and I was sort of gaming this out a little bit and I'm like, maybe, maybe I'll do some at like a billion market cap and maybe I'll do another, and some at like 2 billion market cap and maybe some at three. I don't know. Have you thought about this at all? Like what are your targets for sort of making chain, making trades? Uh, yeah. So my target originally was when I found the coin to buy mm -hmm. it. ZRS on October 1st and then try not to touch it for a year. Um, so at that year time frame, so October 1st this year. To reevaluate? Yeah, I'll reevaluate, yeah. Just kind of see where things are, see where the general market is and see if like we have mad crazy FOMO by then or what and then go from there. I definitely <laughs> at some point am going to convert almost all into ZSD. Um, there's, I mean, it's very typical the cycles go up and down. Um, and then uh -huh. probably just wait another year or two after the ZSD conversion and then just swap back on chain for Zeph. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends, um, of course, where the top is. So let's say the top this season was like around the $3 billion market cap range, which is, I believe that's around the $1,200 Zephyr level. Um, and then if you'd say, uh, let's assume it went there, let's just for chits and giggles at the moment. So if you have a 98% retracement from that level, you'd be talking about, uh, $25 Zephyr, right? <laughs> so that's kind of how you think about this. And, or let's say you only make it to, so a billion market cap is $400 Zephyr. So if you make it to that and then you do a 96% um, pullback or so, 
yeah, you're you're coming down to this fib level of the like fourteen seventy nine, fifteen dollars, right about that level. So, yeah, I mean, is it feasible that the future bear market low is around where we are now? That's actually quite possible, um, given that even like you have to assume these things will drop. I think ninety five percent is rational for. Um, really for just all coins generally. So that's a good way to think about it. And I think um, if you say to yourself, like if that's the rationality, um, whether you go to 400 to $1,200 market cap totals, you could make the argument that, you know what, like you don't have to risk anything if you sell it around 200, pretty much. Like you basically like move from to ZSD and then just wait for the next bear market. And then you just take that and then you buy back in to, to Zephyr at somewhere south of $52. Um, now, like, I could be totally wrong and maybe we go way higher. Like, what if, what if we get totally irrational and you go to like five to 10 billion, like early Monero? Okay, well, that's a very different ballgame, right? So a different way to play this would say, you know what? I'm in the green now. It really doesn't matter what I do. Maybe just let it run all the way, like, all the way through the cycle. Wait, and then it'll drop. Like you know how you know how the crypto market works. Like you'll reach a, a blow off top, and you'll drop like fifty percent off that top within like a few weeks. Then you get a little complacency pump. You'll have that fifty percent dump, and then it'll jump, you know, fifty percent from there. So that'll be like twenty five percent drop from the top, and then you sell at that point. You basically sell the complacency shoulder and say, "All right, that's a very common, very common like crypto move," and um. And then that's where you you're out because you're like, okay, I see this gigantic giga pump and this big dump, and then I'm I'm gonna be out right about there. You're still gonna be way ahead compared to like if you wait for things to retrace all the way or like you know, trying to predict the top and sell before that. So it's not an unreasonable strategy to just ride it all the, the market all the way up and then on one of those retracements you you like sell even though you know you didn't pick the exact top you had to you had to lose some to know that you actually were at the top um now, yeah, that's a, that's so my friend had an interesting take on taking profits he says he usually loves to leave a little bit of the asset and then hopes that the asset continues to pump because he mm -hmm. loves having valuable assets and like he doesn't even care that he doesn't sell the top he just he like it, it's so awesome. He's like, oh, I have all this. It's fun. And now I have all this <laughs> sweet <laughs> asset. <laughs> it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of, it is like the parabolic stuff is really fun because that's like half of why people are here. You want to feel something. Um, but yeah, no, that's another option as well. Like you could basically say, all right, I'm going to. That's why like some people just say like mm, sell some on the way up. But if you think about it, like, all right, like if you make a 10x from here, let's say you're 130. Um, it's very reasonable to sell 10% at that point because like most of your initial has been taken out then, right? Or if you reach 200, you definitely could sell 10% and you'd have your initial out. And then you can go and like gamble somewhere else, or you could just leave it in ZSD and then wait for a dump and then, you know, and then re reaccumulate on the way down or something like that. So there's a lot of fun ways to do this, but I think, um, the nice thing about Zephyr is if you like convert, if there's a whale and they want to convert a large amount of Zephyr, instead of selling it, causing the price to dump or looking, here's the interesting thing, 
thing, DMT, like as far as like the bull case here, one of the flywheels here is let's say you're a whale and you're like, okay, I've got now $10 million worth of Zephyr or something. Let's just come up with some number. If you go to Mexi and try to sell that shit, you're going to cause a gigantic down candle and, you know, wreck the entire chart, right? So what's cool about this is that a person could um, swap to ZSD um, and they could slowly exit over long periods of time, you know, out to tether or something direct from ZSD if they want to. And even if they got a little bit of initial like high fee for that conversion, and even if they um, like, yeah, even if you had um, maybe the moving average price of Zephyr hadn't caught up and you lost some money that way, who really cares? Because at the end of the day, it's really hard to exit with large amounts of money. And what this creates is an avenue where you can um, exit very slowly. But remember, within the ecosystem, you can switch from Zephyr to ZSD without gigantic slippage. Um, and you can do that in like a single market move. You can make a single conversion to ZSD. That's a pretty powerful tool if you think about it. Like, this is not something you think about if you have small amounts of money or like, you know, a regular centralized exchange works for you. This is something you consider if you're, you know, selling hundreds of, thou hundreds of thousands of dollars at a time. And you're trying to take profit, you can't. And Zephyr creates like a very, very interesting mechanism to do that without dumping the chart. That's pretty awesome. That's true because if the devs come along and do what they are going to do and create something that is like a USDT or some sort of tether kind of uh, oh, yeah. ZSD, then you have your ZSD, you didn't wreck the chart, but you could extract liquidity from another chain. and. Yep, or from a centralized exchange or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, not to mention, you could just simply go back to Zeph at some point with with nominal slippage as well, because when you know how these bear markets work is that like moving averages flatten out a lot, and so let's say you had your your ZSD and you held it for the whole like you know bull market or whatever, you didn't even move it out to cash or tether. And you say, okay, I'm going to wait for the bear market giga dump for you know the 90 percent retracement. I'm going to start getting back in. Um, you know, you you've got your ZSD sitting there. You don't have any tax exposure really because like there isn't any, <laughs> and uh, and basically like you know there, there's only tax exposure if someone can prove what transactions you did. Now, any non-provable transactions a black box of you know, there's no meaning. So basically you can convert back to Zephyr at the bottom. Anytime you felt like it, um, it would be basically like, um, almost as if it didn't happen. In fact, it didn't happen as far as the universe is concerned. That's just how this works. So I think like you could, so you could just hold, you just wait until Zephyr is low enough. And by that point, like a year from now or two years from now, three years from now, whatever it is, there'll be more, liquidity in various places and if you had to um either convert to zephyr and then go sell or take your zsd and then go swap it out you could at that point anytime that is a very unique thing i didn't think about hmm yeah there's there's interesting liquidity concept when it comes to large-scale buying and selling but yeah ben you had a question yeah so i was i was thinking about this the mechanisms um for converting to zsd or ZRS, 
you know, is bullish at the bottom when, when the price is low. And then I'm trying to figure out when, when price is high and people are trying to convert to ZSD. There is, I'm not sure if this is bullish or bearish, but there's also, you know, people are trying to front run the conversion to ZSD because it, it, if you want to get ZSD at the top, uh, you don't want to try and do that when, um, I guess when all all of the ZSD has already been converted and perhaps you know um, there's not enough collateral to go around when you can't uh, convert to ZSD. So I'm remember, to think. yeah, go oh, ahead. I see what you're saying. Like the, the incentive to convert to the collateral may not be as high at the top because people are just trying to exit. It, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how that plays out, but uh, yeah. Um, but here's a here's a thing, Ben. Think about it this way. When you get, to, let's say you are at a billion dollar market cap for um, Zephyr. Um, the reason why you can, in fact, convert to ZSD is because you're so over collateralized at that point that there won't be a problem. Because remember, yeah. your ZRS holders, their value has also gone up and the collateral ratio has skyrocketed. You know, like, like, let's say, for example, if Zephyr today goes back to $52, I mean, shit, like you're basically at like, 4,000% over collateralization or something, assuming that nobody printed any more ZSD at the moment. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. I think like this next run up is going to be the interesting one that will help us all like figure out what our plans are going to be for the future and how we're going to trade this. I mean, it can definitely be a top signal because if you see a bunch of whales just jumping into ZSD or like you see a bunch is minted, then it could go one of two ways. Like the price might go burr if there's a lot of volume still but if they just converted that the volume's really low you know uh oh like you have to follow them because if you aren't then that price would go down in my yeah mind. yeah it's, it's like yeah the game theory behind this i think we'll have a good feeling for it like after one more pump right like especially if we see we go into like very over collateralized uh situation like how many of, you know, how much of that, how much ZSD gets minted at the next local top? Um, is that another million? Is that another few million? Like, what does that look like? And then how much are people using that mechanism as a way to quote unquote exit versus going like, say, back to Mech C to sell at the next top? And and because um, you can technically stay private even on Mech C by just simply creating like another Mech C account. Um, that that never touched your like, so let's say you bought on Kraken, you bought USDT and you sent it over to 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 Mexi the first time, then someone knows that that Mexi account is yours. But if you make a new Mexi account, it's completely brand new, and you send um, you know Zephyr or anything else there, right? It, it winds up becoming like a new secret site, or if you send it to Trade Ogre or some other place. So you can still maintain privacy and sell technically without having to do it within your wallet. But um, it's certainly a lot easier to do by doing it straight inside your wallet. It just costs more money. The other thing I'm a little nervous about is if you make a brand new Mexi account, like, do you have a risk of it getting locked up because you have like unusual trades going on? So for like, if you make it just to exit from Zephyr one time, you send a million dollars there. Right, like, is it going to be like flagged or some shit? Because like the amount of money flowing through is really high. I expect that's possible. 
Yeah, that's definitely one thing I'm worried about. Not if you if you're not KYC sending large amounts of money, it seems like the uh, chance of getting flagged or or your account frozen without being KYC is is, is higher. And especially yeah, once, and once yeah, especially a year or so from now when like uh, who who knows what kind of scrutiny they come under, right? Like you know, each of the exchanges seems to be having one issue after the other and and it may be just a matter of time so like when like let's say this bull market ends in a year and a half that could be represent a very different situation for say mexi um so hopefully we get more of these deck solutions and whatever much sooner than this but we'll find out but like an interesting play for for zephyr is like if you ask yourself not only like what money can you make with this but how do you spend this at some point in the future um like an obvious way would be if we even have Zephyr swap and you can move reasonable quantities of money without substantial slippage, you could basically take your Zeph, convert it to ZSD at whatever you feel like you is the quote unquote top. Then you take your ZSD and you use something like Zephyr swap and you swap to like Tether or something. You send that to like, if it's mo moderate amounts of money, like you're not giga rich and you just want to like be able to spend that, you can convert to Tether, send it to something like Bidali, um, uh, B-I-D-A-L-I, and they are basically a gift card company. And you could get yourself like $3,000 gift cards in Apple, or I think the way I take that back, I think that the max is like 2000 at a time or something. There's some rule, laws there, but you can basically convert Tether to various gift cards. Um, there's also like Travala.com, which you can like a travel agency, you can spend worldwide and you can just basically send your crypto there and then buy tickets to whatever you want to buy. Um, so yeah, like sending it to places you can spend it on directly um, is relevant for all the reasons that are obvious to everyone here if you have a brain. <laughs> like, you know, like exiting out of your your privacy dollar to a place that doesn't actually, you know, like, you know, keep an eye on you essentially, um, for lack of a better term, <laughs> like, you know, and um, I'm trying not to get like uh, too much heat on this, but the, uh, the, <laughs> the basically like, you you can use your your ZSD in different ways by converting to a, a public chain coin and then sending it off to wherever you want it to go. So that can be very useful. So um, especially if you have the like someone accepts Monero in particular, it's really helpful. Like for example, I use this like Mulvad VPN, which is pretty useful. And what I found is that like they take Monero and they also are non KYC VPN. So if you send Monero to them, like you're in Zephyr Swap, you take your ZSD, you convert it to Monero whenever you feel like it. You can pay for your services at um, whatever. So fungibility is really important with the privacy coins because, like, you know, what are the odds that any time in the near future you're going to have like Zephyr payments suddenly appear on everyone's websites? That's not going to happen, right? Like even if this took off big time, it would be many years from now till like there's sufficient enough like websites that you can buy shit using you know, Zephyr, you know, as a way to pay. So, you know, eventually Yo, you'd send need... them an email to uh, integrate Zephyr and ZSD, Molvad. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, but Molvad, yeah, they, they take um, Monero now and maybe they'll take something else in the future, but it's pretty cool. Cause like, if you've used it, you can, you're basically fully in on because you signed up with Monero, uh, untraceable money. And then you signed up with, they they actually just issue a what they do when you we sign up for an account on Mulvad is they issue you just a token that you don't have like a username or a 
like whatever, it just creates a token and you don't have any actual like information that you put in there. Once you supply that your account with Monero, your your shit's up and running. It's been working great. They have apps. They have the phone apps. They have the the desktop apps. And the nice thing about Movad is it worked pretty good with like claiming um, some of these new uh, airdrops that are coming out. Like some of these companies are going fucking crazy blocking VPNs. Um, so you have to go to like fringe VPNs like Movad to sort of get into them. And even then, it's hard. Like Nemeta was one of those airdrops like last month that was very hard to claim because it kept blocking all my VPNs. So I went to Mulvad instead of Nord because Tendermint Timmy was t- told me about it. And it's really good. And he likes it because like he can pay with Monero and it's completely anonymous and it works really well. So great call on his part. So if you guys haven't checked it out, M-U-L-L-V-A-D, I highly recommend it. It's very good um, as far as VPN. It's total anon. You can get rid of your Nord or whatever the fuck else. You know, the ones that you pay with like your Apple ID or you pay for with like your credit card, basically any traffic that goes to that VPN, it can somewhat be traced back to you. But once you're using a VPN and you've paid for the VPN anonymously and so nobody can really like, they don't have your information. So even if someone wanted to get it from them, they wouldn't be able to. That's the beauty of it. So if you're a fan of Zephyr and you're a fan of Monero, things like this, I think it's worth looking into using Movad. It was really cheap too. It's like half the price of Nord. Um, the only hiccup was I had to go and get some Monero, um, which was incidentally the first time I actually used Monero for anything. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Um, so I'm not sure what else like websites accept Monero. Let me see. I mean, we accept Monero. Let me see who does. I'm curious. I'm going to write. I'm just like top companies accepting Monero. Let's see. Um, uh, top companies, Monero directory. This is at Cryptwork, C-R-Y-P-T-W-E-R-K.com. Solar Communications, Solid in Change, Prolio.io. What is all this shit? AI Contently. Oh, you can do like marketing ads and shit. <laughs> like where you, maybe you can spam people with marketing with uh, using uh, privacy coins or something. MrMonero.com. Discover every art and every thread. Um, Monero Metals. Ah, here. Um, .io. Easiest way to get gold and silver. Bullion with Monero. <laughs> That's funny shit. Um, let's see. I don't know if it's any good. It could be bullshit, but interesting. Remember, when it comes to paying with privacy coins, there you need to make sure that whatever you're buying is absolutely legit because there's no way to get your money back if they fuck with you, right? Like there's no... You can't even prove like that the money was yours, much less like who you're going to fight for. So it's quite literally like impossible to, there's no paper trail at all. So that's, that's something to, <laughs> to be careful about if you're going to buy shit with privacy coins. I, this, this Molvad VPN worked though. So I'll vouch for that one. I don't know about all of these other interesting things. Mm, let me see. Special features. We accept crypto. Thunder VM, so like I guess some cloud services. Monero discount. What is this like? I'm just curious what these websites have on them. <laughs> they look kind of funny. Uh, let's see. Mm. Stealth Co products, fully customizable kits. Oh, okay, like people that want to buy like combat armor and shit like that. <laughs> BM 
being a victim sucks. That's what it says. <laughs> like, that's the funniest little tagline here. Um, what else you got here? Stealth Co. Yeah. So it's like a, like a kind of a, I don't know. They sell like gun magazines and shit like that. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah. So there, there are some things where you can exit to your crypto, but usually most of them are things um, that are, that accept like open ledger stuff. So the thing you'd do is you'd convert your, your, your privacy coin to something else. Um, let me see travel agency crypto travel is a good way to spend because like no one really tracks any of that shit, but yeah, mainly travala.com is a big one. I believe, let me see, there's some other ones here. Travel by bit, bitcoin.travel. Um, there's definitely some out there. But um, and remember, this is more interesting for the privacy coins because like you're using like stuff that has hopefully mooned for you. You convert it to ZSD. Nobody really has any idea what how much of what you have whether it's at a profit or a loss or anything, and you're just using it straight as money. And therefore you could just like take that and then yeah, Travala.com takes, let me see what coins, 90 plus crypto payment options. Let's see what they take so far. Um, it sort of makes more sense in like some ways it makes sense once you've like converted your coins to privacy, you convert back to a public ledger, it does make sense to buy something using public ledger because then you can prove that that was your wallet it came from. And you say, hey, I sent this to you. You didn't pay, you know, you didn't give me my flight tickets or whatever. Um, you know, like that's part of the game. But let me see what coins they have. Okay, so you click the button on Travala.com at the top. It has two things, currencies and languages. And in the currency section, they accept, uh, let's see, like a lot of stuff. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, XRP, USDC, Tether, Chainlink. So when my Chainlink moons, I'm going to buy some uh, Travala.com. Well, the problem is like um, spending your assets can be tricky because if it's on an open ledger and you don't want that to be, because it, it just creates reporting chaos. Um, but they take a lot of stuff. Pancake swap, cake token, really? ApeCoin? What? So they pretty much take almost anything that has like it's easily fungible. Um, ocean tokens, waves, Gemini, USD, Digibyte tokens. Uh, what else do they have here? Digibyte's a proof of work as well. I don't see any privacy tokens here. Um, so yeah, you'd have to convert to something and then send it to here. But a lot of different options in, in any case. I so see them there on there. You see it on there? You, you yeah. Like, yeah, I, I see, see it. it. Uh, uh, send a screenshot. I don't see it on mine. I see, I typed XMR and I typed Monero. I didn't see it. Is it on Travala.com? Yeah, Travala.com. Yeah. For, for me, I see payment options. Uh, there's rows, four rows, and a bunch of cops. Sorry, four columns and a bunch of rows. It's on the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seventh column. Really? Huh. I don't see it on mine. I'm not sure why. I, I searched under currencies and it didn't show up either. So I'm not sure. 
Interesting. Or maybe it has to do with like the country you're, you're using. Let me try. Oh, that's a good point. I, I am using a VPN to Switzerland. Let me change to, <laughs> let me change to USA and see if XMR is in there. Um, no, it doesn't show it on mine. At least I'm like, maybe it's just this currency search tab or some shit. Maybe I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong place. Anyway, point is like you can, um, let me see what kind of shit Travala has on it actually. How good is this as a travel agency? Um, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta run to Hawaii again for something. So let me see if like, okay, Kauai, let's look at the summer or something. Mm, I'm going to look at some options in terms of like <laughs> seeing what like residences are available. Um, let's see, let's put in some dates here. So there to about there, two adults at a room. And let's do a search. I'm gonna check for like some, see what, how good the Travala's booking options are. Um, yeah, they got the big names, Sheraton, Kauai. Um, some random ones, Marriott, Kauai Beach Club, it's kind of whatever. Uh, yeah, they've got pretty good options here. So yeah, you should be able to spend your crypto on travel. So like the, the idea here would be like, okay, Zephyr Moons, you switch to ZSD, you have it sitting there, and whenever you feel like swapping into something, you do so. You go and buy some shit at, you know, places like Travala.com, Badali is the other one. Um, and you should be able to really use your actual uh, crypto in a um, permissionless manner and like pretty much be not bothered by anyone. <laughs> like, like no one's going to sit there and like, um, you know, monitor, you know, what you're, you know, where you're going on vacation and shit. So I think that would work out well. Um, the Dolly is another one. If you guys haven't seen it, um, basically it's B-A-D-A-L-I.com and they have giftcards.bedali.com. And like, I'll give you some examples of the gift cards you can get here. Let's do browse all and I'll just go through some brands that look useful. So obviously amazon.com is useful. Um, like these are just, I'll just go through us sort of names for now, but like amazon.com is useful. Best buy is probably useful to people. eBay is pretty useful. Um, basically gift cards on eBay to buy whatever the hell you want. Um, they've got silly shit like DoorDash and Domino's, all the usual gift cards, like pretty much any, anything that has a gift card, Home Depot, hotels.com, things like that. So that's the other way you could use, um, you know, like instead of going to a travel agency, if you have like a thing you like, like, I don't know, hotels.com classically has sucked, but um, like, um, I'm trying to see, I think Expedia bought them out though, if I'm not mistaken. So they might not, they might be better, but they used to kind of have issues, but hotels.com might be a way to travel or like, um, let's see what else they got here. A lot of common restaurants and things, your Starbucks, uh, Philip 76 for gas, AMC movie theaters. I mean, how many movies are you going to watch? Um, Apple's a good one because like if you, Apple and Google stores are pretty good because odds are you're going to buy shit from them, whether it's cloud services or, you know, whatever movies or something, uh, iPhones, things like that. So Apple's car gift cards are as good as gold because a lot of times when you get gift cards from them, sometimes you can get a discount on them too. Like sometimes you'll get like a 3% discount on Apple gift cards and shit. And that can be kind of a nice way to, uh, 
save a few bucks. Um, I think what happens is Badali probably makes money on this by taking that 3% or whatever those incentives are. And that's probably how they make money. Because they give your they, their cards are given at really reasonable rates. You're not paying like exorbitant rates to get these things. Um, I think they 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 just charge you dollar for dollar. I think I don't know. If there's that much fees on it. Um, but pretty long list of restaurants and gift cards and things. So yeah, Chevron, Texaco, for example. So you got gas. You got like um, I don't want to go through restaurants and shit because everyone has different opinions on that. Um. Yeah, they got some theater chains, Conoco Gas, um, Crutchfield's not a bad electronics seller. Um, what else do they have here? Different shoe stores and different things. They've got um, Fandango, if you like buying movie tickets and shit from them. Uh, Five Guys Burgers. <laughs> I kind of like Five Guys myself. Um, Holiday Inns. Yeah, there you go. Like, oh, it's a Galveston Holiday Inn. <laughs> Galveston. I've been there before. The beach sucks. Um, yeah, you don't want the Galveston Holiday Inn Resort gift card, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but they have like, some of these are very specific, but some of them are pretty useful in that like they're for general purpose websites, um, like a hotels.com or something. So you can go anywhere with it, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, some, like, some of these are for like retail brands that are just generally kind of more expensive and not as useful. Oh, they got Kroger US, which if you have Kroger grocery stores in your area, you can basically like dump it into a, you know, dump a couple of thousand dollars in the Kroger disc, you know, gift card and you're going to be covered for groceries for a year. Um, let's see what else they got here. Lululemon US. Um, let's see here. Uh, a lot of pretty good ones. Nike, if you like that. <laughs> Nintendo eShop so you can buy like video games for life or whatever if you like Nintendo. Um let's see here. Paramount US. Yeah, some of these are like for streaming audio streaming videos. So if you like like certain things like I don't know if Netflix is in here. I don't think so. They got Riot Games. But like the idea is if you have something that you're like, oh here's one. Royal Caribbean International US. There's one that could be very useful. <laughs> so like if you haven't been on a um some of these cruise lines and stuff, they can be pretty fun. And they're actually quite good in terms of value for the month that like what you pay for. Um, the room and board as well as the food is reasonably, very reasonable. So if you get your crypto to moon, you send it to Badali, get yourself a Royal Caribbean gift card and just buy your shit. Um, let's see what else. Safeway groceries. I think Safeway is a bit more, like you have those in California still. Hey, Sefi, I was just listening mm -hmm. with one year and I was thinking you were talking about the stocks you were buying. You know? No, no, no. I'm talking about gift cards here. I know. That you can get I realized that. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> okay, he's going crazy. Like, is he buying? He's going yeah. crazy buying all the stocks. Oh, this is not bad. They have Southwest Airlines in here. So if you're U.S., there's a lot of places you can fly in Southwest. They have Sony PlayStation U.S. in here. Spotify. They have Steam if you like video games on Steam. Um, they've got mm, routine stores like Target. Um, they've got... What else is in here? Um, mm, yeah, like routine shit like Walgreens. They have Walmart too. So yeah, if you get yourself like some of your profit goes into a Walmart gift card, some of it into an Amazon, some of it into an Apple, some of it into like maybe Southwest Airlines. Um, cause there's like a limit to how much you can buy per round. 
but you could definitely pick up a whole bunch of these. Oh, YouTube US. If if my Zephyr moons, I'm going to buy like enough YouTube points to like last me the rest of my life so I don't have to watch the fucking advertising on there ever again. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. But like, yeah, those are kind of funny things that you can um grab on here that um pretty good list i'd say um definitely um a way to sort of like exit with some of your crypto gains by going through vidali um and you just basically would convert this on something like zephyr swap or something similar from zsd or zephyr you convert to something like tether and send it over and off you go that should be pretty good um but yeah like essentially like invisible um I like Travalo seems good just because the number of um, possible options in terms of flights and whatnot look pretty good. Hotels.com is not bad either, though. So, like, if we're talking about stays, and really, if you're going to do this, you probably should spread it out among different sites. So, you're not being tracked for a gigantic number of, like, you know, crypto transactions at any one given thing. So, <laughs> you can kind of, like, go to one thing for flights, one thing for um, something else, but just, like, spread them around. Um, get some things via gift card, get some things via, um, um, yeah, just different, um, different types of sites. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot more places you can spend your crypto now in terms of exiting out of a privacy system, um, than you had before. So definitely very productive. <laughs> so we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, Zephyr is currently back at like 1374. It's kind of like, trickling upwards um sort of following btc a little bit in terms of uh, tracking that and all we have to do is wait for one giga pump and you know that sort of thing is coming you just have to wait yeah in fact the chart's looking pretty good it's been bumping up against this like 14 dollar level for about um that was kind of resistance a little while we capitulated below I and mean, support for a while we capitulated below that at january 21st and now we've hit the 14 dollars mark like around four times testing it and it's now february 9th and bitcoin's up and it looks really really good to potentially run to like 25 bucks again that'd be a good number so i think what if we get to about 25 to 30 dollars effort most of the people that have ever bought Zephyr um, by 30 bucks, almost everybody will be in the green at that point. Very, very little volume happened between $31 and $52. That was just sort of like a low volume move. So the vast majority of people did not buy at 50 and they're down like, you know, they're down 80% right now. Almost nobody did this. Like it's a very small amount. So um, I think your most sort of like, Theoretical sell resistance might be at $27, where there's some $28 or some volume. Uh, there's a lot of volume, of course, at the support of $17. So as soon as you break out of $17, $20, I think we run pretty aggressively at that point. Um, people follow in. It's just what it is. It starts going up and everyone jumps. principle in like Taoism. there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something the more like the opposite of what you want like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something the more like the opposite of
what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Chirping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community, uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, yam, beta, and bruise. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit coin Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.